You're listening to the We're All Right podcast, hosted by Brandon Erseg. We are back with another edition of the We're All Right podcast, and the quality of guests continues with the man that we have on today, a second successive Victorian recruit to continue building the case that the Victorians are all right. Um, one of our OG Vic recruits in terms of the most recent run of recruits we've had um, over the, the more recent years. Um, in a short space of time, this man has achieved, achieved a lot and had a big impact on the club. 25 games spanning three and a bit seasons, which included a swan medal in a period where he was considered one of the prime inside midfielders in the comp, averaging 24 disposals a game. Um, his final league game was a final and it, that was that final was the club's most recent one which came after a four-year drought. Unfortunately, he recently made the decision to retire very, very young after a tough run trying to get his body right. Um, he's one of the most meticulous people I've ever met when it comes to training, diet and preparation. And I don't think I've ever seen him. Um, he's rigging bad, Nick. Um, we're lucky enough to have none other than Frank Anderson. Frankie, how you going, mate? Uh, Brandon, mate, it's, it's very nice to be here. Um, I heard from some sources that you might have been a bit nervous in the lead up about coming on. You don't appear nervous right now. Any nerves? No, certainly. Well, a big part of coming on today was actually ticking off part of the three goals that I had this year. The first was obviously just finishing off a main training session. The second was playing a full game. And then, yeah, the third was obviously being a guest on the biggest <laughs> podcast in Perth. So, no, nah, it's, mate, it's good to hear. <laughs> what the early plug. <laughs> You've done, you you probably, you might have done yourself a favour later, for later on with that, with that oh, comment. Yeah. Um, so, we recorded um, Jacko McLaughlin last week. Um, and like, like with him, we'll see how I've gone with research. Given the difficulty it is, there is in finding stuff when it comes to East Coast plays. It's just, just doesn't stack up with the West. But, um before we get into any of that, um, give us a quick, real quick rundown because we'll talk about it in a bit more detail later on where your journey at the Black Duck started. Yeah, we've probably got to go back a little bit of time really. It was, I'd played one season in the VFL at the Northern Blues and that was with Sam Fisher and Jesse Palmer who, who have come to the club since as well. Mm -hmm. Devin Costigan who came over with Sam and I in that very first season, he wasn't actually at the club so I hadn't met him before. But I'd played a season there went okay and the story went that I was fairly close again at the end of the year to being picked up. I'd gone to I'd gone to the draft camp, had like a couple of medical screenings with a few different clubs and I'd actually spent a weekend in South Australia talking to a couple of clubs over there and I was really close. I was going to sign with one of them. And I'd, I remember talking to Brisbane and Fremantle and, and a couple other clubs before, before going on that weekend away. Had a good weekend there, watched like the Sandful Granny was thinking like I could I could definitely live here like South Australia is pretty cool and on the flight home I'd actually sat next to one of the crewers from Fremantle just like inadvertently on the way home and then he was like Frankie like what are you doing what are you doing in South Australia like don't you have some stuff going on in Melbourne blah 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 I was like oh mate I think I'm gonna think I'm gonna move state and play over here he's like mate don't don't go and play Sandful I'll, I'll get you set up with one of the waffle clubs and I, he must have been pretty comfy with Smarty because not before I'd landed, I reckon I'd had a message from him. Well, Smarty X Freya recruiter. Correct, yeah. Good connection there. And, and so, yeah, I pretty much had to talk to Smarty. Didn't really talk to any other clubs in the Waffle and then spent a weekend over here. Doc and the boys took me out. Um, we spent a weekend out in Scarborough. It interesting was, night. Yeah, it was an interesting night. Very, <laughs> there were, yeah, there's some good stories coming out of that night. 
And then, yeah, I just made a decision. It was just a place that I felt really comfortable as soon as I got here and the club looked after me from that first weekend and here away we were. Yeah, beautiful, mate. <clears throat> um, and now going back a bit, I suppose, to the start and again on the research thing, I couldn't actually find this, but tell us about where you are born and spent your early years growing up. Yeah, okay, so probably varied the, the consistency amongst amongst my early childhood was probably change. I was born in Alice Springs, mum and dad met over there, mum was doing some work, dad was running like an upholstery factory, doing pretty good. And then we'd packed up there, I'd had really, really bad eczema as a kid, like I, like I just used to blow up all the time, I'd touch grass, my whole skin would just go crazy. So mum and dad shift us off back to Melbourne, we'd moved out to the country for a little bit of time, then we settled in a place just past Box Hill in the eastern suburbs of Victoria. It's God's country out there. Just <laughs> just really high quality in the burbs about in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. So a place called Croydon. And yeah, kind of grew up there for, I don't know, I think we moved there when I was six. Mum's still in the same house. And yeah, just just really, really awesome memories. I'd played footy and cricket at the same pretty much junior club. Yeah. For varying lengths, pretty much the whole whole way through. And mm. yeah, I, mate, I love my time out there. It's a happening place out in Croydon. Yeah. And how far for me and also probably for other listeners is Croydon from the heart of Melbourne? Roughly. Oh, well, if you ask some people, it is the heart of Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From the city centre. Let's yeah. go with the city centre. Yeah, right. Okay. So it's probably 50 minutes. Okay. And then we'd, when we turned 18, my brother and I, a couple of mates, we moved out to a place called Nunawadding and that was just on the edge of the freeway in this in this kind of old rundown old Italian house. And yeah, that right. was that was 30 minutes from the city and that, that was a good spot. Yeah, nice. Very nice. So is that 50 minutes in the horrific Melbourne traffic? Would it take you 50 minutes if you're that far away in, from Perth City? It's no, it certainly is. There, there was one road that was getting to me before I left. There, <laughs> it was it was Mandenong Road, and it, man, it was just honestly standstill there from four thirty, from four o'clock, four thirty onwards. Yeah. And I just remember sitting there being like, mate, life's got to be better than sitting on the Mount Dandy, waiting to get home. It's freezing cold. <laughs> I'm ready for a change. Built some resilience. <laughs> oh, mate, resilience. I'd lost a few marbles. Absolutely. Oh, very good. Um, and where did um. Where did footy start or your involvement with footy start? So when did you first start playing footy or, you know, being involved with it? Yeah, mum got us into footy fairly early. Like, I was one of those kids who, yeah, well, mum kind of put like a, a soft footy in our hand from the get-go. We'd, we'd do Oz kick down the road. Probably my earliest memories of just general movement and exercise was getting up on a Saturday morning. I'd set my own alarm and we were probably only 400 metres from the local Oz kick. So I'd get up on a Saturday, like walk myself down there with a footy and yeah, we just kind of kick around. And I was, my brother was, is a year and a half older than me. So he was always able to do things a little bit earlier than I was. And I always just wanted to get into it when he was getting into it. So I think I would have been probably four years old down there at Oz kick, just having a good time, running around with my head cut off. I had yeah, no nice. idea what I was doing, but I loved it. So you had the, you had the footy in the hands nice and early. Yeah, I did nice never learn how to kick the thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, just giving yourself a drive by there early. Um, and sort of what role did footy play, I suppose, in your like early years as you were growing up? It was fairly prominent. It was fairly prominent all the way through, all the way through primary school, through high school. Definitely, I went to a really, really good high school for footy, and it wasn't anyway. It wasn't one of those like footy specific schools, but they ran some really good high school footy programs and the competition we'd play in the ACC was always like a, was a pretty hot contest so it was fairly consistent all the way through about year 10 I dropped off in year 11 and 12 and we'll probably chat through it a little bit later yeah, as well definitely but um I didn't really play much in year 11 and 12 and then I kind of picked it back up 
after I had some surgery and a few other bits and pieces yep. when I'd kind of got to that 18, 19 stage. But yeah, it was that kind of one consistent thing that I was happy to be involved in. And I just made so many good mates. I've got so many good connections back in Melbourne because footy. It's one of the best parts of it, isn't it? Or, or if not the best part. I think it is the best part. You've got to use the leverage of footy to, to help yourself in life. 100%. Um, and was AFL like the dream from early on? Like, was that like, you, you want to, because a lot of guys when they're little, they're like, yeah, I want to play AFL. Like, that's it, burning passion. Um, was that the case for you? Or do you think it's something that you probably want realise you want to have a crack at when you're a little bit older? Yeah, interesting one. I Probably the, one of the earliest memories I'd have of mapping out a path for me was we'd finished primary school and in your graduation book they asked like what you wanted to be and I used to, there was this guy I grew up with who was our footy coach and he was he was always a builder. His name was Shane Olsen. He'll probably be tuning into the podcast. He's a big fan actually. There you go, shout out. Yeah, shout out Shane <laughs> Olsen. And I just wanted to be like him. So it was, I'd put down being a builder. I didn't really thought about being... <laughs> Did you watch uh, a bit of Bob the Builder growing up? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, we did Tom's <laughs> the Tank Engine and that involved, absolutely. So there was kind of in the background there for a while. I had focused on it really heavily probably when I became more mature after I'd had some surgeries and that, kind of 18, 19, and then I really dialed into it and it was like all-consuming, yeah. like completely took over. Yeah, I'm looking forward to touching on that Completely too. took over every aspect of, of my life, yeah. like relationships I had, friendships, where I grew up and where I lived. Mm-hmm. I was happy to do anything for it. But yeah. as a junior, junior, I'd f- I fell off the ranks pretty pretty significantly 16, 17, 18, just for a number of different reasons. Yeah. So I kind of didn't really think about it too much, but then, yeah, picked it back up yeah. when I was going 18, 19. Yeah, nice. Very nice. So a bit different to some others who just live and breathe it from the get-go. Oh, well, I certainly did live and breathe it. But, but just didn't see I found AFL different passions. Yeah, 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 yeah found different passions, yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I'm pretty sure you want to you wanna touch on this. And you, you mentioned... Not only cricket, but you mentioned cricket before. Any other sports you were passionate about or decent at growing up or maybe still fancy yourself in? (laughs) (laughs) Mate, anyone who knows me well knows that I'm a genuine cricket nuffy. Like, I'm I'm as as nuffy as it gets. Like, I'm already looking forward to going down and play fourth grade down at Scarlet (laughs) come the end of the year. And no shame there as well. Like, absolutely no shame. What what, what are you, a batter or bowler? Oh, mate, I used to be a batter. But I can't last any more than 10 balls, so I call myself a bowler. But <laughs> now my knee's no good, so I can't even do that. Uh, right-hander? Right-hander with both. Long story, but I taught myself how to bat left-handed because my hip was so bad and I couldn't, I couldn't yeah, bat yeah. properly. Yeah. But before that, it was actually – it was all athletics for me, even before footy from, you know, five years old to, to when i kind of given it up when I was about 13 and started playing cricket because you can't play them at the same time. Yeah. Mate, I was so into athletics, like the Diamond League. I'd sit there yeah, for right. hours and watching it. What's and the favourite event? Well, I'd, I'd kind of – I had three different events that, that were kind of my go-to and they were quite opposite. So there was like the 400 and 800, which are fairly similar yeah. events. And I'd, I'd done like really, really well in those at like a state level. I got myself like to a national level as well with that. And then shot put was the other one. And I don't know, I was, mate, I was this scrawny little kid. I just had some good fibres, I think, and I just learned how to <laughs> do it. Yeah, I just had a good technique with it. So, and I, and I practiced pretty hard. Yeah. Like, mum and I would always go down to the park, like, after school. And we'd spend all weekend down there because I, I was seriously undiagnosed, hard ADHD. Yeah, And right. I just had to be out all, outside yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time. I can relate to that. So, yeah, we, we ended up, like, we went we went on trips for that. Like, we went down to Tassie for, for like, a national series. I got put in, like, the multi-event. Nice. And had some, like, some funny stories, like, with the guys that I was coming up against as, like, a 12-year-old. And I was like this underdeveloped, like genuinely prepubescent, like 12-year-old. 
and I was coming up against these guys who were meant to be in year six and like they none of them had birth certificates man and I was like hadn't developed no hair anywhere these guys are rocking like full mustache hair <laughs> under the arms and they'd smack me but always a good time like and that was probably that was as good as it got as like for a family time as well like when we were growing up and then I traded all that in to average like five with with the bat come down to 13th down to South Croydon. <laughs> Mum, I don't think she ever forgave me for giving it in. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, mate. Yeah, I reckon it worked out all right, though, in terms of what you ended up doing. Yeah, I'll probably in, get a in big, con- in big footy. Yeah, big contract down at Scarborough Sharks. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like a few late nights with the Ashes lately, speaking of cricket. Well, yeah, it's – what a great time of sport, oh. Brandon, at the moment, actually. We've got, we've got Wimbledon. <laughs> been called Brandon for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Wimbledon going on, which we love. We've got the Tour de France, which I'm massive on yeah? at the moment. I'm not in that space yet. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm dialed right up. <laughs> I'm dialed right up in, in the Tour de Shock. France. Uh, I've got – obviously, there's the Ashes that are going on at the moment and there's footy on the weekend. So, yeah, yeah in between, I've got, I've got a couple of weeks off work at the moment. Beautiful. And, oh, mate, I've never spent so much time on the couch. <laughs> I'm, I'm as washed up as what you get. What a time to be alive. Oh, so good. Um, so, obviously, you mentioned that you were born in Alice Springs and eventually made the move to Melbourne. So, when you, when you eventually settled at Croydon, did you play all your junior footy at the one club when you were there? No, but consistently went back to the same club. So okay. through varying reasons, South Croydon was a local club and that's how I actually know Chris Jones as well. He spent a couple of seasons down there. Oh, yeah. And unbelievable, unbelievable club. Really, really well ran. Great morals, really high values. Their standards were really, really good. When I was a junior, so I played all my juniors there up until the 13s and then it got to a point where mum couldn't drive my brother and I to two separate grounds. So I just started playing up in age. So I was playing up in age pretty much the whole way through, dropped back down to my own age in the under-13s because I was too small. Yeah. Just, like, couldn't compete with the big boys. <laughs> and played two seasons out at North Ringwood in the under-13s and 14s and, mate, we had this, like, stacked score. How come you went there to North Ringwood? I was actually thinking about – I was giving that some thought and I just think it was just with guys for school. Okay. For no other reason, mate, we had, we had a seriously good team. Like, Were they in the same comp? Completely different comp. Okay. So my age group down at South Croydon were were playing third or fourth grade, and it wasn't it wasn't a really high standard. And then so I moved to North Ringwood. We were playing Divi One for a couple of years. We we won the grand final in the thirteens by like twelve goals and like smacked them. Ryan Clark to name drop. He was playing in that <laughs> team. He wasn't as big as now, but he was always a pretty good player. Yeah. But mate, we just had this team where we were just a bunch of lads. Like we'd hang out. It was all good. We were probably fairly mature for age, so it was like year seven and eight, and we were getting up to some funky stuff on the weekends. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then fourteens was the same. We ended up losing the grand final in the under fourteens, uh, five points. This bloke, the story goes, he hadn't had a kick all season, and he ended up getting one dozzy in the last minute of the game and kicked one. Hey, five points. If it's not your day. Have your moment. Correct. And it wasn't his moment for the whole year. And then he bobbed up out of nowhere. Got <laughs> um, that. Yeah. No, and he'll admit it too, mate. He'll admit it too. And I'm, I don't want to hear any more about it, to be honest. Still a bit salty. So uh, we lost that by five points. And then after that, my brother was, he wanted to back, he wanted to keep playing. So we, I went back down to South Croydon as a 15 year old, yeah. playing in the under 17. So I think I was in year nine playing with guys who were like in year 11 and 12. And again, I was just like so small, but mum couldn't take us to different, two, two different grounds. Yep. So I spent the whole year just playing in the back pocket, um, just lockdown roll. So you should have tried that here. Me, Sebby Bright, Lockie Ryle, Brayden Spackman. Yes, in the, the backcourt. We're all the same, really. <laughs> us four. We're just Got dog, that just, dog in you? Yeah, just dog in <laughs> defensive units. 
<laughs> and so I played there for a couple more seasons. So yeah. that was played bottom, bottom age in the under-17s, played bottom age in the 17s, and that got me through to when I was 16. Yeah. And then, yeah, my hips just started, like, yeah, okay. playing, up, playing up real so, heavy. Yeah. And then that was pretty much it for, for couple playing. A couple of years. Yeah, yeah right. I played so, school footy for a couple of years too. Okay. And that was probably the constant that, that I really What was the school enjoyed. footy comp lot? Really, really good. Yeah, it was Who a, was that for? ACC, Whiteprize was the school that I went to. And in year 10, actually, probably, probably the best junior highlight I have was – with school footy, we'd played a game. We got to the Herald Sun Shield, and I actually played Jesse Palmer that day. He was he had the long sleeves on at St. Pat's. Yeah, right. And we was in the team. Like our star player was Christian Petrarca. Oh, gee whiz. And he was like probably the same size as he is now. In fact, he was probably, <laughs> he was probably bigger back then. To be honest, I think he was weighing like a hundred keg in year 11, 12. Carrying a couple to extra. Yeah, man. No one could tackle him. There was like I just got vision of like four or five guys hanging off him at any one point. He was just like brushing them off like he's nothing. So I played in that as year ten. We got to play in the MCG. Chucky actually won the medal that day. For Did he? As a year 11, yeah, and he lets me know about it Any every day. Any direct matchup with him? Nah, no direct matchup. I was playing on a guy called Brett Buley who had a pretty good career. He was out at Freeman. Yeah, yeah I think I remember left footer. Yeah. Oh, it's mate. Good memory bomb, mate. Yeah, and I've, he's, he's a beautiful <laughs> kick at the footy, actually. Yeah. I'm still filthy because Petrarca actually won the medal that day as a year 12. I think he had like 18 and a goal, and I had 24 and a goal, and I'm still filthy <laughs> that I didn't get the medal that day, but he was getting drafted that year, so it was always going to work for him. But yeah, yeah. We, we got smacked. And yeah, that was pretty much it for, for juniors. I'd played a couple of school games in year 11, a couple of school games in year 12, like every fortnight, just because I couldn't get up for the next week or train or anything like that. And that yeah, that was pretty much the crux of it. Yeah, yeah. So like talking to Jacko, he obviously grew up in Geelong and his pathway was sort of like junior footy um, development squads, TAC Cup, then into senior footy. So you obviously, it doesn't sound like you were involved in any development squad type of footy before you had the couple of years off. Not not in the TAC. So there was a couple of years there in the under-13s and 14s where we played in the interleague squad. And I don't yeah. know what the precursor of that is over here or like what the... Do you, you have to get picked for it though? Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was a rep team. Yeah. So I played in both of those teams uh, and that was cool. Like I just played on a wing, wasn't big enough to play inside. So, you know, I just kind of run around out there and that was always good fun. But as soon as that kind of TAC age group hit, um, yeah, I was just... I was not playing at a point. I actually played against Jacko in school footy because he went to yeah. – what I don't even know what school he went to, but we ended up playing – playing. oh, St. Joey's Geelong. Yeah. Good St. bunch Joey's. of boys out of St. Yeah. Joey's Geelong. Yeah. Always, always really enjoyed playing. No, it reflected. Oh, really? In the great man. No, you're just a good bloke, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. He's, he's one of a kind, isn't he? He's a good player. <laughs> he's, he's a good fella. He's good, good to have one off the wood with. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, right. So I managed to see in my um, – find in my research that you were aligned to Eastern Rangers in the TAC Cup but might not have played. And I think this links this segues well given what you've touched on it already. And I think that was due to having an unusual, uncommon injury. So talk us through talk us through the injury. Talk us through what was going on. That sort of stopped you. Yeah, it was interesting because my family, no one in my family had ever played like any sport ever. Mum, her claim to fame, she had like, she broke her wrist a couple of times being a goalkeeper, like at school soccer, something like that. Dad certainly never played or anything like that. So it was never like we weren't an active sport family. So none of this would have even come up. And the problem was a genetic one. And I'd been diagnosed with this kind of chronic hip condition called hip dysplasia. And the crux of it is when when the, your tibia or your, no, sorry, your femoral head is too big for your hip cup. So your, your femoral head sits inside your hip cup 
and it's meant to enclose it or encase it. Yeah. And my femoral head was too large and my, my hip cup was too shallow. So what would happen was like the bones would spur, it would rub against the ligaments and every time that I'd go to move, like the ball would come out of the joint. So it was, like, man, I just remember not being able to sit down for like 10, 15 minutes at a time. I couldn't drive, mm. couldn't kick the ball and it was on my right side. So I just couldn't get a run at it, like couldn't, didn't enjoy running, couldn't enjoy training, certainly didn't enjoy playing because I just spent, you know, two hours just like squealing around. So, yeah, that was pretty much all. And then I'd been misdiagnosed for like a year and a half, like seeing different doctors. And the reason behind that was that it was a fairly new, it was a fairly new finding. There was only one surgeon in the whole of Australia, Dr. Jip Balakuma, who was actually like skilled up enough to complete the surgery. Yeah, right. He was in Melbourne. I ended up seeing him in August of my year 12 year. But like by that point, mate, it was just like so far gone. Yeah. So when, when did, because I read, and unless it's incorrect what I read, but that you were in the squad for Eastern Rangers at one point, but then might have got cut from the squad. Yeah. So what happened was in, in, it might have been year 11 or 12, I wasn't going to play at all. And then I'd spent, I'd spent a handful of games. So I come back from a school camp and a couple of the boys were playing down at Park Orchards in the under 17s. And we had, we had a good time in the school camp and I was doing some funky stuff after hours. And the boys were like, oh, why don't you come down and like just have just sit at full forward for us, <laughs> come down and just have a kick. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right, no dramas. Ended up like sitting down at full forward and kicking a couple of goals and got invited down to the Eastern Rangers at the end of that year. And exactly what I just said, like tried to string it together. I couldn't, got to a point where I couldn't train. And then yeah, they're, they're pretty cutthroat in, the, in that. Like if you're not training, if you're not playing yeah. with them. Then, yeah. then they kind of give you the flick pretty quick. Yeah. And how did you, um, like, how did you go with with sort of getting over what was a significant like, hurdle and challenge and eventually coming back to play uh, footy, like, at a decent level? Like, how did you how did you get past and get through and overcome that, um, that injury? Because it would have been a challenge mentally as well, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was probably fortunate because the handful of games that I'd played for the school in year 12 – our kind of the biggest name in our school footy team was Sam Wiedemann, who was at, is at Melbourne and just moved to Essendon yeah. this season. Yeah. Like big fella, he was always going to go top ten. So recruiters were coming down and watching him play school footy every single week, and because the standard was quite good, they were kind of picking boys from the ACC every single year. And I'd played a couple of pretty good games without obviously having done anything during the year. And I'd met with Melbourne actually. I'd interviewed with Melbourne just out of those handful of school footy so games. So this is on while the hip was still sort of going on. Cooked, man. Absol- absolutely cooked, yeah. yeah. And they were like, well, we're obviously not going to pick you up because, like, your body's shot, you're about 100 years old and you're only 18. And so they invited me down to play at Casey the following year. So I'd had the surgery in August. I didn't run until March the following year because it was, it was a full-on hip reconstruction and realignment. So they pretty much break your hip in like seven different places, realign it, deepen your hip cup, shave down your femoral head and just like attach it all together. There's like, I don't know, a handful of screws that go in there. And it's like, it's really, really like invasive and abrasive yeah. surgery. And I'd spent six months getting like significant one-on-one, like pretty much personal training from a guy of like Arthur's quality down at Casey. Yeah, and shout out to Arthur. Yeah, he'll correct, love that. man. No, he's, he's elite. I'm, I'm a big fan of Arthur. He'll be actually tuning into this podcast. <laughs> I'll make sure he does. Yeah, no, You'll he want to hear it. No, he will. He'll be tuning in. <laughs> and to be honest, it, it actually kick-started my passion for, for getting involved in exercise and just like learning how the body moves 
learning how to add weight to exercises, how to get strong. So, yeah, it was awesome. And I just spent the year down at Casey and I was like, mate, I was so far off. So, that was that with Casey's senior like VFL program? So, it was, it was actually at the point... Because I was going to ask you this later. I found a Frank Anderson at Casey, couldn't find a photo associated with it. And I'm like, this is either him or it's a completely different Frank Anderson, some nah. development league. No, nah, that would have been him. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was at the point where in the VFL at the time, there was still a reserves team. So every uh, every senior team had yeah, it. Yeah, it yeah. was actually called a development team. And I was so bad during that year that I couldn't even play in the development team. Like I just wasn't getting picked. Yeah. Didn't start running. I was probably... How old were you then? That was... That, 19. And was that post-surgery? It was the it was the year after my surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And mate, I had, I had genuine rocks in my head. Like I thought I was good enough to <laughs> to get picked up at the end of the year because I'd spent like half a year not even getting a game in the development team. Yeah. And I was probably I was eighty six kilos, and I was running like a seven forty five two k. Like I was in horrific nick. <laughs> I like I, visually, visually it was, good. was all was all like okay. I said. Never seen you <laughs> with the battery. <laughs> yeah, visually it was all okay, but gee, the performance output was was just not acceptable. Yeah, right. And after that, I'd, I'd, I'd pretty much call my own bluff by the end of the season. I was driving out on the freeway to get out to Casey and it's like it's a genuine hour grind getting, getting out there in the car. Yeah. And I just went back to local footy and dialed up my fitness yep. and just spent a couple of years and that's when I really started like feeling good again like I did in junior footy. Yeah, so South Croydon, that's the – that's where you would have gone back to. And that's the year you were 20, I believe, is when you went sort of went back there to, to play for a couple of years full time. And that so South Croydon there within a Metro League in Melbourne, how, how, can you, I don't know, you might not be able to, but would you be able to compare that to a standard here? Like A-grade amateurs, B-grade amateurs, C-grade amateurs. I don't know if you've seen enough footy around Perth to maybe make a comparison just to give people a feel of what sort of level that was. Yeah, look, it'll definitely irk some people in WA <laughs> off because that's just how it is over here. And the AFL is the AFL is a really, really strong comp for a number of reasons. Is that the Eastern Football League? Eastern Football League. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the, it's the best local footy league in Victoria. And that's that's. Would any good. of our recruits dispute that? I reckon Jacko might say the Geelong League. Yeah, I'm, would be. Okay. Might have to get both of you back them. on a pod to have a discussion. But about we it, smacked them, so we had an interleague <laughs> game against them. I think it might have been the year after I went back, and mate, we we touched them. How, so how does is is in, when you say interleague, that's you're talking about getting selected for a, a squad with that comprises of players from multiple leagues, like metro leagues and country leagues, or just from your league. Just from our league. So okay. the EFL would play games against Geelong, against... Yeah, okay. The so the best of each league because there's yeah. a shitload of leagues, leagues in Melbourne. And it was taken pretty seriously. Like we played a game out and Eddie had was heaps of fun. Yeah, right. And so going back to what we're talking about, the standard of the Eastern Footy League, it was a really good year to come back to the club that year. Lee Adams, who... Kangaroos. Kangaroos, yeah. Yep. He was actually... He'd been given the coaching job at South Croydon and everyone was really pumped about it. Like the commotion around, you know, Pruy coming back to the club, sorry, being the head coach of the club this year. It was kind of amplified like that, but with someone who was coming back from AFL to, to a local – I call it – it's a local club, but it's it's semi-professional. It's, like, yeah. it's really, really well done. Yeah. And the AFL league, it's they're small grounds. They're players who have come off AFL lists and they're big boys like in the AFL. And I was always – I was always very fit coming back to the club, but I was in no – no physical shape to play midfield at all. So I'd always just play out in a wing yeah. and let the B-boys kind of do their thing. Yeah, and I'd, yeah, be, yeah. I'd be cheaping out the back for yeah. the handball. So <laughs> that, 
that was that was always really good. And the best part about coming back to our local club, so as I said, I spent my whole junior career more or less playing at South Croydon, certainly watching the seniors every Saturday. I was down there running water yeah. from five years old, et cetera, et cetera. And they were never any good when I was coming up in the juniors. So they are always in Division Three. They worked their way up to Division Two, And then they'd got themselves to Division One a couple of years before I came back to the club. And it was like this awesome full circle where I'd played at a strong junior club in North Ringwood and their seniors were always in Division One. And then by the time I got back to South Croydon, North Ringwood seniors were in a lower grade and our seniors were in a higher grade. And it was just like, stick at it, be consistent, back your own formula in. Yep. And it was just like a loyalty thing that I kind of reflect on that I'm really proud about. Yeah. And was that um, was that where you experienced probably your first um, full pre-season at, at a senior level? At a senior level, not, with, not at a lower or younger grade? I remember doing most of that pre-season I've, I don't think I've ever done a full pre-season. Yeah, but like first taste of what a pre-season is yeah. at that level. Yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ge- yeah generally right. And Lee, he kind of took a liking to me and I'd always ask him a lot of questions. So it was probably easy for him to fire back. But yeah, I'd just kind of follow around the senior guys down there that had been doing consistently well for a long period of time. Yeah. The names that might not mean much to you, but like Dan King just played this round game on the weekend. Matt Jones, who was at uh, Melbourne yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I remember him. Like yeah. just really good people and really good oh, players and yeah. mate, I just follow them around like a bad smell yeah like, absolutely so you weren't up. daunted by it you enjoyed enjoyed the experience well I, I knew them I knew them because I'd been running water to them since I was five yeah. so like I knew the boys and they knew me I was always around the club if I wasn't playing there so yeah. mate, it was so good going back there and then it took us two years and we ended up winning the grand final which yeah. I might which we might touch on we actually will. We will briefly, yeah. of all of all the days in football that might have that may or may not occur from here on in like that I'm not sure anything will ever top that. that yeah, right. Unbelievable. I could day. imagine at that level. Yeah, senior level, like winning a flag anywhere would be great. And to be honest, it's the old rhetoric where I was too young to appreciate how awesome it was. Yeah. Yeah, well, young. you were 21, I think, when that happened. Yeah. Yeah, just turned 21. 20, yeah. turned 21. Yeah. A great time to be alive. Yeah. Man. Um, you actually, you had a fair few achievements or milestones in your time at South Croydon. You won the Young Gun of the Year, I think, in the Division One comp in 2017. Um, young gun like that. Young gun. Um, you, I, I got it down here, but you've you've explained it maybe differently since that you played for the Vic Metro squad in the interleague. So they're two different teams. Yeah. So okay. the interleague is a precursor to the overall Vic Metro team that's picked from each of the interleague. So the interleague teams are picked obviously from their league, and then a handful of individuals from each of those Metro leagues get picked. So there's a couple layers to this. Yeah, this yeah. is this is deep. <laughs> this goes really yeah. deep. So you made the the Vic, Men- Vic Metro squad into league, and I believe in 2017 and 18, if I got this right, and I believe you captained it in 2017. 18. 18. As 20. a 21-year-old. 20-year-old yeah. turning tw- – you would have been 20 turning 21. Yeah. Captained. She was yeah, it was – Young gun. It was pretty Bring cool. Bring him in. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was probably – and I remember playing – I was actually just talking about with this bloke on the weekend – we went out to Ballarat to play where the Ballarat Rebels used to play. Mm. And it was it would have been mid-June or mid-July, like the crux of like depths of Melbourne winter. It would have been five degrees with a heater on. And <laughs> Great place to play footy. Oh, my Lord. I, <laughs> they breed them tough here in Ballarat. <laughs> and it was pro- to be honest, without pulling myself out, it was easily the best game that I've ever played. Like we just – we had a really, really good time. The, all the, I knew a couple of the guys in the team. There was probably five or six of us who had come from the EFL that were picked in that team as well. Uh, and 
we we got beaten on the day. Danny Frawley was coaching the other team that day as well, and he f- actually flicked me a text after after the game to say, "Hey mate, like well done." And that was from that point. That was kind of where the snowball VFL program kind of started. Yeah, right. Formulating because I hadn't thought about it too much until that point. I'd actually got picked to go do a couple of medical screenings in the draft at the end of that year, just out of the local footy. In, in 18. At the end in of 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've had it here that you were invited to a state draft combine. Yeah, so and that's when it kind of started happening after that kind of big game. Yeah. Had a few medical screenings and then I'd pretty much missed out on every single one. I'd been invited and missed out on every single one yeah, since right. then. Yeah, yeah right. Um, like, I think that probably going back to what, what, what we were speaking about before, you were touching on before about the quality of the league getting invited to a state combine out of South Croydon, not playing for a VFL team, but out of South Croydon probably touches on the quality of the league as well. Because you're not, you don't see guys getting invited from a great amateur team to go to a state combine, which probably, you know, reflects on the quality a little bit. Probably that you're touching on before. Who was that guy from North Beach the other year that got oh, Nick? Yeah, so he's he, he'd be the the exception though. Yeah. But from what I saw, there it wasn't just you. Like There were a few guys from like that level who got invited to the state draft combine. So that probably, that probably tells you a bit. And I was going to ask you before we talk about the premiership briefly, um, anything you want to say to relive some good memories there. But yeah, is, is that where you started to maybe feel confident is in the right term but start to really seriously think about what level you might be able to go to and it sounds like you sort of half answered that before because you're saying that sort of led into like all the vfl stuff to a degree they're probably the biggest turning point or the biggest eye-opening game or moment kind of came in a, a prelim final against ball when now ball were a team that had just dominated the league what was that same year 18 in 2017 17. 2017 yeah 2017 no, nah, it might have been 2018, yep. you're right. Prelim. In the prelim, yeah. And, I, mate, I just had a – I don't know what was going on. I was just running on top of the ground for four quarters and I just had a heap of it. 29 had, and a half? I Jack. don't think it was Jesse Turner's territory, <laughs> but I had a lot in the last. He'll like that. Yeah, he'll love that. I actually gave him a quick pump up before we got here. <laughs> he'll love that. And after that game, I remember Lee, because he was still coaching, obviously, at that point, and Lee contacted me on the show. I was like, mate, have you thought about, like, going down? And I think he started connections down at the Ruse at that point. And that was when – that was when it kind of started kicking off a little bit. There were some articles floating around the AFL that that had kind of put me yeah. up in a pretty couple good that light. you still can't get a read on without subscription now. Oh, to don't worry, I'll, I'll send you to them. <laughs> <laughs> I should have messaged you for my yeah, own preparation for this. <laughs> yeah, I only I had to go off headlines and captions to photos. <laughs> oh, the glory days. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Nah, so it started sort of happening a little bit in terms of even other people maybe a bit of noise externally and even people at the footy club telling you that you should be. And to be honest, it was just a case of enjoying it. Like if you can think of the the performance graph that goes around in a big circle, there's enjoying your footy, there's playing good footy, you get positive reinforcement from people around you because you're playing good footy, that adds to the enjoyment and that circle just keeps snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. And that's something that I've kind of held on to my whole way through. One of the best pieces of advice that I've given from Lee... Because in 2017, I'd started the year really, really poorly. So I I was playing on a half forward line. I was fit without being really fit. And like, there's a difference between, you know, running like a 620 2K and (laughs) running like a seven minute 2K. Oh yeah. There's a a massive difference. And Lee moved me from a half forward line to a wing about halfway through the year. 
And then I started playing some really, really good footy and I, and I kind of backed it up over that period. And he said, there's 300 contests in a game and if you can get yourself to 150 of them, you'll get 30 touches. And so in my head, I was just like, well, there's no point in me being 85 kilos. Like I need to get down 82 kilos mm. and I need to get my 2K down to 610, 620. And from there, that's when I kind of started figuring out preparation, eating well, preparing well. And then it, like just light bulbs were just going off everywhere in my head. And I was like, <laughs> I know how to do this. I just know how to do this. There you go. Bit of advice. Some mm. good advice, eh? Good mentoring by the sounds. Um, talk us through the premiership, winning a flag at senior level. Just give us your general your general yeah. feel on it. So it, the what happened was in the semi-final, I'm not sure if you've got this info in the computer in front of nah, you. But so give it to us. So we came from the clouds. We, we absolutely yeah, right. come from the clouds. We were nowhere to be seen like at the start of the season. Vermont was the team to beat and they'd been the team to beat for a while in the senior comp and they'd smacked us around during the season. They'd beaten us by 12 goals in the semi-final. And I'd actually booked a, <laughs> a five-month five month trip to Europe five months at the start of the year to to get to kick off on the 27th of August because that was going to be our last round and I was like no there's no way that we're playing finals <laughs> so we'd somehow snuck in to we'd somehow snuck into the final series we might have finished fifth and somehow just got on a roll we got ourselves to a double chance somehow I don't know how that works but yeah Vermont beat us by 12 goals in the semi-final and I was obviously low-key happy because we were winning but it was costing me like a thousand bucks every time we yeah, won because right. I had to keep changing my flights yeah, to yeah, go yeah. to Europe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so then, you know, we lost by 72 points in the semi. We were playing Baldwin the week after, which was the game I was just telling you about. And I was like, there's no way we're going to beat Baldwin. Like, they're elite. And then somehow I got over the line with Baldwin, another grand and a bit to push my flights back. <laughs> and then we come it's up against... Now. Oh, man, absolutely rinsed me. <laughs> and then, yeah, so come up against Vermont in the grand final. And the the whole commotion of grand final week was that South Croydon are just making up the numbers. Don't even bother turning up. And the South Croydon faithful turned up in droves. They were, they were, there were thousands of them floating around. There was a big march from one of the guys' houses what in Bayswater. What a march? Yeah, there were flags going everywhere. Don't say Bayswater, mate, because people are going to think you're talking about down the road. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, okay, it was that big. There was a big Congo line across the Nullarbor. <laughs> oh. So big march. Um, South Croydon just like flags everywhere. And South Croydon's one of those clubs where everyone likes them because of how honest they are. Blue collar, like blue collar club. Similar to here. Same, same. They just there's a nice area. They've never really stirred the pot too much, so no one really cares too much about them. And on the day, it was just like a sea of red, blue and white. Like South Korean people were everywhere. Vermont was so confident that their supporters were like, nah, you know, I'll just meet them at the after party. Like I might not even turn up to the game. And like we just come out. I think they got a jump on us or scores might have been fairly level at halftime. And yeah, we ended up just kicking away. There was three goals in the last quarter where we just kicked one after the other. And I remember looking at the clock. I've got this like kind of vision in my head. It was like two minutes to go. We just kicked a goal, got a clearance out of the middle. And I remember looking at the scoreboard and I was like, we've got this. Like, There's two minutes to go, three goals. Like Lee Matthews says that's impossible. <laughs> so, the Lee Matthews. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, we've just won the grand final. And from when the siren went to probably when we got back to the rooms, I remember getting Maccas after the game for the first time in a while. <laughs> and I the just, was on just by then. mate, such a blur, like <laughs> such a blur. My, my best mate, um, Fraze, he... 
he has this memory. He came up to me after the game and he was like, mate, you were like a ghost. Like no one, I didn't even recognise you. I was trying to talk to you and you didn't even look at me. And I was just like, oh, mate, I was off with the Pixies having a good time. So, yeah, <laughs> just, just the best, mate. So and good. would you put yourself in the vote getters for um, best on after? Best after, on. after the grand final. We're not talking about on-field performance here. We're talking about off-field celebration. Would you put yourself in the vote getters? Be brutally honest. Because if you weren't, you weren't. To be honest, I probably wasn't there with some folks <laughs> who really nudged the dial. Because I thought well, he might have made it up. Um, he might have made it up for himself later, like a few days after. But Amesy, I think it was, this was something that was a lot of people learned for the first time on the pod was that he probably besides people who played, he went to sleep that night. What? Fell asleep at his house when he went back home to get change. A man you thought would have been probably three votes with ease. Yeah. No, so I was, I was, I was interested yeah. to know. You weren't in the vote yet. I certainly wasn't in that territory at that point in my life. I'd kind of done that a couple of years before. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, was, I was away from that area. And the other side of that was the, there were some guys in our team that just <laughs> they were so heavy after the game. So I was just there to have a good time. Yeah. I might have fallen asleep in the back of one of my mate's cars yeah, right. at, you know, like one, two o'clock. Yeah. I was lost. I was, I was so lost. Just. But, yeah, it was, mate, the best memories. Yeah. Um, and quickly, like, you touching on the fact that um, some some from the opposition were talking about just going straight to the after party. I have to mention something similar has happened to me, but much lower level, under-17s under junior footy. Bassendine I was playing mm. for against Calamunda, who John Armstrong, current Colts coach, was playing for. He's a big fan of the pod. Yeah. Yeah, actually, he's a great man. He actually called me his um, apprentice when I played Colts in, but this is prior to that, junior footy, right? And Calamunda had made a cake. Out of here, still blue. Made a, a cake, winning cake, a winning cake, calling them premiers because they'd done us like similar, done us all year in the final couple weeks for one point winners over here. Bassendine, Johnny, unlucky. Sorry. I wouldn't mind some of that cake right now. Yeah, he'll be listening, he'll listening <laughs> to the podcast. So. <laughs> I'll have to get him on to defend himself at some nah, stage. Don't even bother. <laughs> oh, far out. No, nah, very good. I like that a lot. So, obviously, you win the flag um, at South Croydon and then you sort of move into the VFL. That's where you, you make the shift into the VFL. But did you have your Europe trip first? No, no. no so years are wrong. So 2017, we won it. Oh, I thought 18 you won it. No, we played off in the grand final in oh. 2018 as well. So we had a couple of good years. Okay. So 2017, we played in and won the grand final. Yeah, okay. And that was when I had, that's when I spent four or five months over in Europe, just yep. like really giving it. After it. After the grand final, given a serious nudge. Jeez. Yeah, that was a lot. Well, Spent a bit of you. coin. Yeah, absolutely yeah. rinsed me. <laughs> Just rinsed me dry. Yeah, and then it's so 18, you have another year at South Croydon. And then 2018 was the year at South Croydon where all those interleague and the big Metro games started yes. kind of snowballing. Yeah. And that was the year I've never been as fit as I've been ever. Even coming off Europe. So what happened was I got back to Europe in January and then I'd spent January through to April just like doing crate like I was doing like 14 group classes a week extra running running after footy sessions um just way too much load and then it got to a point after the Vic Metro game where I was just like running and doing all the stuff and I actually got a stress fracture my foot mm. and that's what we were talking about before with the moon boot that's when I was in the moon boot. Yeah, 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 yeah miss it miss maybe a month of footy at the back end of the year tried to come back for the final series we ended up playing a grand final uh we lost that to Vermont which was the same team we beat the year mm. before but yeah, that's kind of how those two seasons happened. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you then you ended up at the um at the VFL. Um, and this is where I was actually going to talk to you about um Casey Scorpions, but Casey Scorpions, but we've already um covered that off. So 
funny, I didn't actually realise this before the pod. For some reason, I thought you played multiple years in the VFL, but 2019 was your one and only. One and done. Yeah, one and done. Mate, um, just like my career, just short. Well, impact. yeah, but you played more than one year here. Um, how did how did the opportunity sort of come about that saw you land at Northern Blues? Talk us through that. Yeah, again, there was a few options coming out of that Vic Metro game. There was a guy called Choco. We got Brian, someone or other, who was the coach of the Vic Metro team, and he was trying to get me down to Richmond, and I was really, really close. I'd had like a contract offer with them. It was pretty good, and I was about to go, and then – I, I knew a couple of guys who were playing at the Northern Blues at the time. A guy, Kane Kevill, I played with him at North Ringwood in those under-13s and 14s year. And then the guy who actually cut me from the Eastern Rangers squad when I was like – when I couldn't run, so it was like no skin off his back. Yeah. Len Villani, he was at, he's actually at Carlton now. Who, he's the bloke who holds the board up at the, oh, yeah. the games on TV. Yeah. He was down there and he kind of gave me a call and he goes, mate, like you've got to walk into these programs knowing someone. And it was fairly good advice. I don't – I certainly don't regret going down to Carlton. Like we got to play at Icon Park all the time. Seriously good program. The boys down there took me in pretty quickly. I'd spent all of that preseason nursing the hip injury that I'd had that had come on from wearing yeah, a moon okay. boot. So again, didn't get a run and it didn't start running until February, March that season. Yep. Come off like the same hip problem, a little bit different coming off that the stress fracture in my foot. But yeah, ended up just down at down at the Northern Blues, which was aligned to Carlton at the yeah, time. Yep. Yep. And you wore the Carlton, the Carlton jumpers. And I was like, that was sort of the next thing I was going to ask you was what was it like rubbing shoulders with AFL listed players? Where you, I just want to know if you've got any stories of you being starstruck at any stage. And then the second part is um, what was your take on the experience of playing at an AFL-aligned club? Did you find it frustrating or difficult at times? Yeah, to your first question, being awestruck or starstruck, the only time I kind of remember being like, oh, yeah. That's so and so. Paddy Creeps walked past in the main hallway, and he had it. He had it. They must have been just going out for training because he had his full kit on, like boots and all. Yeah. And I just remember being like, "Can I swear on the podcast?" Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Holy fuck, this bloke is like <laughs> so tall." But then he walked past, and his legs were skinny. I was like, he's "Oh, jeez, fucking huge!" But <laughs> geez, his legs are skinny. No carbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, maybe he just runs a lot." So that was kind of the only period where got that Paddy yeah, Creeps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Contested so, ball. Cop that. <laughs> he, he'll be probably tuned into the podcast. Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. he will. <laughs> so that was the only time, you reckon? Yeah, that was kind of the only starstruck moment that I've had. And then playing in an aligned club was was really lucky. I'd had some things kind of fall my way. So there was five players on any given week from our VFL team who got to play in the VFL Carlton team. Chook was one of them. Jesse Palmer, yep. Sam Fisher was one of them. Alex Johnson, who had just come off like his sixth ACL yeah. tear. Yeah. A guy called Kieran Collins. And then there was me. So all of those guys had been on AFL list and I was just like this bloke from local footy. No one knew anything about. And the only reason I ended up getting a game was because the captain, who was Tom Wilson, he ended up doing his ACL really early on in the season. And I was just coming off a bench, might have played a little bit of forward in the first game and then Tom did his ACL so they needed a midfielder yeah and I, I'd kind of prepared well and inside mid at this stage well yeah I'd yeah. kind of I put on a little bit of size yeah yeah uh patch Lee Adams was in my year from 2017 and 2018 and just like Frank like you got to tackle you st- you got to stop being so soft running around the outside so I'd kind of learn how to tackle a little bit got myself in like really good nick 
and just got really, really lucky. I was yeah, one of five guys every week that was picked to play. Yeah, right. That's yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and probably testament to the work you've done as well and the level that um you're playing at. So did you get to um because Jacko talked a little bit about it with his time at Geelong, obviously, being aligned to a club. Did you get to train much with or at all with the AFL side? Because he actually got a little bit of opportunity to train with Geelong at times. So that was only given to star VFL players. And yeah, I, was, okay. I was never in that category. I was the kid from local footy. That yeah, no one really right. Knew much that's about. interesting though. So we trained with their VFL listed boys that had missed out on AFL selection yeah. on a Friday night. So yeah. we trained Monday night, Wednesday night. And how many of that? How many were in the squad though outside of the listed AFL listed guys? I think there was some somewhere between thirty and forty. Yeah. So yeah, there you was, still need a fair few, don't you? There, yeah, and there were a lot of people. And I I never knew week to week whether I was going to play. Yeah. And that just like drove me to get a little bit better. Yeah. Again it can be good and bad that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, I just got lucky with the coach, Josh Fraser, who took a liking to me. He just seemed to get around me for whatever reason, like which was cool. So yeah. he'd kind of I just found myself being picked every week, probably starting as the emergency most weeks and then getting a call in front of me like, hey, like Frank, you're in, um, suit up, get ready. And I was so more than happy to go down and play at South Croydon. I think I'd played three games at South Croydon that, that season yeah. as well. So I wasn't, I didn't really care because it was a win-win. I was either playing BFL footy, having a really good crack at it or going back and playing at South Croydon who were a really good team and they were all my best mates, so yeah, okay. it, was, it was a win-win. So you didn't see it as like that big a deal, like you are pretty happy to go back to South Croydon and play if you needed to? Yeah, and again, like in that performance graph, the EFL has some really good publicity, so every time I'd play well, I'd get a heap of messages. There was an article that would come out here and there yeah. about your performance, and I'd probably found myself in the best fairly regularly every time that I did play for, for whatever reason, so... It was just getting consistently good reinforcement feedback and I was just trying to stay grounded, trying to stay grateful for the opportunity, not trying to think too much about it and yep. just enjoying it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you did play some good footy. Well, if you look at the stats, you played some good footy there. 20 disposals, 5.4 tackles, 4.3 clearances per game is what I've got you down for. You'd be pretty happy with that, 12-game season. Um, and would you have maybe have played more games if not for a shoulder injury and also a very untimely suspension that year? Oh, yeah. And how did you work through that? How did you work through that? Because I, I think the suspension was very untimely. And we'll talk about draft stuff just after this. So just let talk us through how you work through it rather uh, than the opportunity that might have or might not have come up. Mate, I still, I still feel so bad about that suspension. So... Shout out to him, actually, Bailey Scott. He'll he'll be tuned in today. He'll, he listens over at Kangaroos to the podcast. <laughs> We've got a few tuning. Yeah, I'll yeah. have to get Jolly to tag a few. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened? So it was it might have been round six. I don't. I'm not sure the semantics of it, but round six we were playing the Ruse, and I was actually tagging Aaron Hall that day. I'd just been given a job on him to run with him, just lock him up. Just, you know, being a defensive-minded midfielder that I've worked my way to be up over the journey. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I remember ball got kicked into the middle of the ground and Bailey Scott just been drafted. He's 18, 60 kilos, ringing wet. Like, he's just a little kid. And I'd put on a fair bit of size by that point. Ball got kicked into the middle of the ground and I just remember being like, I'm getting that footy. Like, I'm going so hard at it. And out of nowhere, he just kind of came from the opposite direction. And I only saw him late. He got to the footy first and I'd... I was going full tilt, wrapped him up around the hips and literally just like 
slung him as hard as I could into the middle of Icon Park. And I think he's still in the cemetery out in Carlton. <laughs> mate, I, I felt so bad. But no one from the other team even remonstrated because of just how quickly it all happened. Like I was just momentum going that way, wrapped him up, got twisted, let him go on his head and he was just out, man. Like yeah. he was, and I don't think he ended up playing too much more that season after it. Yeah, right. Got done for a couple of games and that stretched out over a bye as well because it was it was a week it was two week suspension three down to two missed a game there was a bye missed a game so it ended up being like a three four week block where I yeah. to play yeah so it and that was right at the time of the mid season draft yeah. where I was humming yeah I was humming yeah, so yeah. yeah I look back and I try to think because it's just like tough to deal with but it's happened too many times yeah it just happened to me every single time for whatever reason so yeah. it's yeah. what it is so moving segueing into draft chances before we shift on to the move of the black ducks might be a bit hard to to touch on i no, could understand but no, you had a couple of from the looks of things and you know talking to you and, and sort of getting to know you as well you had a couple of looks at it where it looked like it'd be a good chance a lot more than once so I think you said that you nominated in 2018 for the first time, probably, or you were, that's when you were invited to the draft state draft combine. So that might have been a bit of a sniff at that stage. And then, yeah, then 2019, you got the suspension before the mid-season draft. You obviously finished off 2019 playing um, VFL. So, how close or how realistic? Do you think you were at being picked up at any of those stages? How much of an inkling did you get? Did you get clubs talking to you? Like, how close do you reckon it ended up actually being to happening? Gee, you talk to a lot of guys and just listen to the podcast with the guys we have at this club. You ne- you just never know. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you have absolutely no idea. You get a lot of people get told one thing, and you know it doesn't happen. A lot of people have been burnt, but I mean, yeah, you obviously were in and amongst it with some of those periods of time well the thing was i was just talking to so many clubs like sometimes you hear guys that were talking to you know one club here fleeting comment to from one club here again i was consistently talking to you know four or five clubs at each of the different kind of draft parts so there was the end of 2018 i'd spoken to four three or four clubs yeah mid-season draft same thing probably a little bit more because i was like new kid vfl Mm. still very young end of that year again spoke to a handful of clubs at least and I thought I was a fair chance although I hadn't played that much and that was the end of 2019. 2020 obviously didn't go that great for me here at the club. Well we had it yeah COVID as well also. That probably didn't help too and then obviously in 2021 I thought I was I thought I was really close yeah season in 21. Yeah right. Do you reckon that might have been the closes you felt? Kind of because I'd had a medical with three different clubs. Yeah, right. In the, in During twenty twenty one. Yeah. Jeez, you kept that quiet. But <laughs> the problem was I kept getting the medical, and because of how bad my hips are put together, yeah, I kept failing them all. But the saddest part about it is I reckon the best chance was going to be at the end of twenty twenty one after a really good season. We'd played finals. I'd obviously had a really good game in the final that I'd popped it. Yeah. And that was, I was pretty confident going into that end of year being like. I reckon I'm a good chance here. Yeah, right. So I think there was probably five times over. And yeah, like, far and mate, like you go up, yeah. you get the medical screening. Jarv spoke about it really well on his podcast. There's the whole, all the teams that are sitting in the room. So it's an interesting process, up, yeah. And you're getting told, yeah, you're a good chance here, you get you're a good chance there. And you're still young. Like, bro, I was like, you know, 20, 22. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to be like, oh, it's going to happen. 
nah. Oh, it's going to happen again? Mm. Nah. So you look back on it and like, mate, I don't regret any of it. And mm. the, I kind of, I take a little bit of like seldom into it or like a little bit of solace with it because it was never up to me. And I just did everything I could. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I literally could not have done any more. Yeah. And it, for whatever reason, my body just didn't want to play yeah, along yeah. with me at any given time. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm a bit of an omen guy as well. So reading into it, maybe it wasn't meant to happen. And, yeah, I'm, okay. and I'm happier now that it didn't. So yeah. who knows, mate? It's just one of those ones. How close we are. Yeah. How long's a piece of string. Yeah. Yeah. So you, that's sort of some of the ways that you, you've processed it. Because like, I mean, you know, we're a lot better, I think, um, as a society for one, but then just with footy in general, in and amongst footy, at um, understanding um, the impact on people's mental health compared to obviously going back years or decades. Um, we're a lot better, have a better grasp and awareness of it now. But, yeah, like how, how did you, like, get get through it? I mean, like, did it have a massive – did it have a big impact on your mental health, do you reckon, over that time? Or, or were you able to process it fairly well – fairly quickly without it having too big an impact it was it was at a time where i wasn't spending very much time with people in footy circles all my friends are cricketers from in back in melbourne like i don't i'd never really hung out with the footy boys here or you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so my circle was never about footy in the slider so you know i'd go to training i'd do this thing and then i'd come home spend the weekends with guys who couldn't care less about what was going on footy and that helped like we didn't talk about it if I wanted to talk about it, we could, but it didn't. It was just one of those things where I was like, look, I was mature enough to know that I couldn't change it, I couldn't fix it, I couldn't yeah. have a hand, or I couldn't have a say in it. So, whatever, it is yeah. what it is. It's good to be able to have that perspective at that age, to be honest. Like, not a lot of people do. Like, it's pretty easy to lose grasp of, it, of perspective, oh, especially mate, I, at that age. So, yeah, it's, it's a credit to you. I certainly know now why the guys who were 16, 17, 18 in the TAC, and we all know guys who are that age. And who think they should have been picked up? Yeah. And who let's say they played in like the Alliance team, like that that really kind of prestige under 18s team. Mm. They don't get picked up, and then they stop playing. I know why they do that now. Like it just yeah. makes so much sense. You build yourself up, you spend three years dialed into this massive goal that you sacrificed everything for, and then you don't get picked up. And you're like, oh, cool. What's next? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just change your mindset. What's next? Yeah. Do something else. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's a good way to go about it. Um, so the move to the to the mighty Black Ducks. I'm interested in your thinking um, in making a switch at the time. You'd spent one season on a VFL list and played essentially half a season's worth of games at that VFL club. A lot of people would probably, um, from the outside, think naturally you'd just go around again at the VFL club. So what was what was behind making the switch at that time? Was it just that after everything you might have experienced with that, that process and not the draft and et cetera, you just needed a change or what was the thinking behind making the move? Interesting one. It was at a good time for me to try something a little bit different. I'd been in the Melbourne bubble for a while and I've got this kind of perspective on life where you've got to go and you got to go and spread your wings somewhere else mm. in the place you grew up in. And my brother and I have been really big on that from the outset and mum's kind of helped foster that. So it was a really good way to leverage the work that I'd done in Melbourne to benefit, you know, going forward. And the other side of that was it was it was attractive to move to a different state like Perth where obviously like you talk about the weather and this and that. But the probably the biggest factor was footy development because I was one of five guys playing on a Carlton list every week. And on any given week, Matt Kennedy might not be picked in the one, so I'm out of the team. Yeah. Jack Silvani might not get picked, so I'm out of the team. Yeah. I could have 35 disposals one week and not get picked the next week. 
through no fault of my own. Yeah. And I knew that I needed to change and I didn't really want to play against the VFL team that looked after me so well in that season. So I thought, look, the best offer is just to try a different league. It, yeah. was, it was literally as simple as that. Yeah, okay. And you, oh, I was going to ask you how you landed on WA. You've touched on that a little bit, but you were originally going to go to the Sandful. Is that right? Yes, I, yeah. mate, I was locked in. Did it you was, have any clubs talk to you about moving there or you had you approach any clubs? So I was over there for a weekend meeting with Woodville and West Adelaide. Yep. And yeah, it was it was all going good and I would have signed with one of them had I not sat next to the bloke who was a recruiter from Fremantle. Unbelievable. Who would have called Smarty, yeah. who would have called me and just had a little bit of Once better got off a with Smarty. And uh, you know how the great man works. He, he wraps you up in wool and then you don't get a chance. So. Um, and so were there any, it sounds like there wasn't, but were there any other waffle clubs no that approached? Clubs. No no okay no. and what about during during your time here do you get any approaches not really subi or claremont not really not a really. little bit from subi only because i'd kind of half made friends with lee a little bit yeah okay but it was never ever an option like, yeah I, I wouldn't have even thought about the idea so well same reason like you come to a club they look after you so well you're not going to go play against them the year after like it's just not an option yeah 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 fair enough um and what was your first impression of the club when you when you got here and started getting stuck into it, honestly, I was taken back a little bit with the with the standard of training early on, and like we've spoken about that at length, and Pruy has certainly. I was a bit taken back. I'd signed in the club, and I didn't even check history of how they went last year. Realised that it was two and sixteen. Like <laughs> after I'd signed and spent a couple of weeks here, yeah. So I was like, holy shit! Like I'm walking into a club. Like we got we got a bit of work to do. And the other side of that off the field was. Like very similar to South Croydon, blue collar club, massive supporter base, good bunch of boys. And I just thought this is home, like yeah. this is cool. Bit of a drive out of Perth. I liked kind of 30 minutes having the podcast on, on the way to training. So that Shame where I wasn't around then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gee whiz, you get to run now, they don't <laughs> So yeah, honestly, it was like off field, same, same as what I'm used to. On the field, good little challenge. Nice to walk into a team where I get a bit of a role mm. and can just kind of do my own thing, kind of get backed in. Yeah, but then obviously the pressure that comes with that, and I think we'll probably touch on twenty twenty two in a little bit. But mate, I was so upset come the end of the year with my output that season. I was like, I need this has got to change. Like, I got to do something here a little bit different. Yeah, and that was probably the the springboard to having a good year at twenty one. Yeah, yeah. So um, shifting over as well, almost even though you wouldn't have meant it, came at the perfect time in terms of moving to WA, given what ended up happening with COVID. So. You know, at least, even though it was a shortened season, at least you got to play some footy and with less restriction than if you're still living back home. But um, what was your experience of COVID like? Um, like even though you played some footy, was it? It might have been a little bit frustrating with the fact that you couldn't play a bit more and get into it a bit more in terms of training with the group together because we had some we had a massive period where we weren't training as a full group, and then also having to lock down in a new state with um without being close to friends or, or family like did you find any of that tough what was your experience of, of of covid like well it probably goes back before covid really because people forget in melbourne at the start of 2020 you had those massive bushfires all across the yeah, east coast yeah yeah yeah. It, it was a genuine shit show in melbourne when i left there mm. was there was smoke everywhere in the air and i was re reading the omens i was like frank you gotta get out of here mate. like <laughs> go chase some sun over in wa and the whole training thing I'm not sure if you can remember back, but mate, I was struggling with my hip real bad, real bad yeah, yeah, in I 2020. Remember, yeah. Couldn't kick at training. 
Yeah, I, I remember all couldn't this. Couldn't train very yeah. good. And mate, I was rocking up to the club and like, yeah, obviously the articles were coming out, like new player signs of the club, he's meant to be okay. And I was trying to kick the burly. No <laughs> idea. I was missing my foot sometimes go. at training. Here we go. Just blame the burly. No, but I wasn't, mate. <laughs> it was certainly added to it, but I was... <laughs> I, mate, we were, I remember doing lane work in those little COVID groups and we had a small group of about 10 of us and we were doing some triangle kicking at one point and I reckon I went 40 minutes without hitting the target and like boys are looking back like, is this folk taking the piss? Like surely we haven't signed this folk. <laughs> so it was, it was a tricky period trying to wrap my head around playing the year because going back a step as well, I was going to get my hip surgery at the end of 2019. Yeah, right. But I didn't want to get it because I thought I was close to being drafted and you can't obviously go into an AFL team. Yeah. Having had hip surgery, you definitely won't get picked up. So I waited. Yeah, okay. Got too late. Then we had COVID. Then people weren't taking admissions for 2020. So, yeah, I was playing full season and my hip, mate, was just shocking. Mm. Like I was I was really, really struggling. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of somehow managed to get through the year. We played a practice match against Perth early in the season and I'd cracked – I copped an elbow to my eye socket and I reckon I'd cracked it because I went to blow my nose after the game. Is that early 2020? Yeah, it was a practice. So game. was that was that after we had a bit of time off, like before. a period off, or it was before that? Yeah, before. I mean, yeah, I copped an elbow to the eye socket, and I remember because I went to blow my nose after the game, and my eyeball nearly popped out of my head because it's like it was an air kind of vent mm. in the cheek. And then, yeah, pretty much just spent that whole COVID period just like riding my bike, having a good time. We didn't really have COVID over here, it's like yeah, I know. it was pretty I relaxed. Know. Yeah, I know. We we some of some of us complained a lot. We did, and probably think we did, but yeah, I've I've heard enough from others to know that we didn't. Yeah. And to be honest, we had we had a fairly good time. So I was living with Sam Fisher and Devon at the time. We had a little pad down in Scarborough, and we just played a bit of backyard cricket. It was at the time where the Amazon Prime series, the test, had just oh, come yeah. out. So we spent yep. we thought we thought well, we were all Australian cricketers <laughs> playing in the backyard, uh, um, which was good fun. Yeah. But then, yeah, it was the other frustrating side of it was I'd moved to Perth to, to open up a gym studio as well, a mm -hmm. business down in West Perth. Shout out to the guys down at BFT West Perth. Good <laughs> Body fit, yeah, yeah, good community down there. And I'd planned to open up the gym in October of 2020. And because of COVID, all of our equipment got delayed. So we didn't end up opening until February the next year. Mm. So I, did, I was in this limbo period in my life where I was like, I've moved over. I've left all my, all my awesome mates, friends, family, relationships back in Melbourne. And I've moved over to Perth to have a shocking 2020 season. Haven't made any moves on the business that I'd planned to open up. Yeah. Like what what am I doing here? Mm. Like this is so strange. The only kind of silver lining was the fact that we were just having so much fun, like down at the beach. Kept you here. <laughs> oh mate, it was so good. Yeah. Um, like you you mentioned now that you know you had a shocking year or whatever in 2020, but yourself and Fish came in and you you both added to our midfield straight away and our side as a whole. Like I know that you you'll say that you know and you had some injury stuff going on and you'll say that you had a frustrating year, but like. You, you weren't playing badly, um, but I reckon the performance of the team sort of trended in parallel to your own performance as well. I reckon we sort of were settling in and showing some signs in 2020 before making a jump and then playing finals for the first time in 2021. Um, like you've sort of touched it on, on it already, the reasoning why you maybe had more of a breakout year in 2021 here than you did um, in 2020. Um, but like, do you think, do you think the fact that it was just a bit unsettled 
in 2020 meant that you needed that year to sort of find your feet a little bit or like injuries aside, what, what do you think was the reason why 2021 was so much different to 2020 or was it injury or was it, was it the injury? For me, footy is a really simple game and I have always loved footy for the fact that it rewards people who do the most work and I just wasn't able to do the amount of work that I know that I needed to do yeah. in 2020. So throwing a couple of good games together at the end of You certainly 20, didn't play bad footy. Well, I had a couple of really good games at the yeah. end of 2020 yeah. and that was after getting a cortisone injection, which I should have had a few of them in that season, mm. but waited. Don't know why I waited, but we played Perth the second last game. We played East from Fremantle in the last game. Yeah. And I remember that game because Turns had three and 30. Yeah. And that was one of the best games of footy I've ever seen anyone play. Like he was just, he was cruising. And that was a Sunday game. I'm sure if you can remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But came back here after. We all came back here yeah. after. And I didn't have any beers that day because I had my hip surgery booked in on the Monday. Yeah. So I'd spent, had a couple of good weeks playing footy, had my hip surgery sorted and done on the Monday, the day after the game. Yeah. Felt, that felt nice. Oh, not initially. It was. Well, but like <laughs> in terms of the fact that you had it squared away so yeah. quickly. And then again, it wasn't until. March or kind of end of February, March that I started running again for 2021. Yeah. And then I could start getting a real go at it. And then, you know, and then I knew how to prepare and it was just a snowball after that. But I, I the only thing I do regret about footy is the fact that I've never had that golden season. I talk about the golden season where you do the whole pre-season, you have no injuries during the year or no injuries that keep you out of playing because we all play with niggles. Yeah. But full pre-season, full season of playing proper footy and I just don't know how well that could have gone. Still looking for it myself. It's probably still <laughs> keeping me here. The thing is, mate, it's so elusive. <laughs> Along with trying to win a flag. It's so elusive getting that season out. So yeah. The other the other side of 2021 was the fact that I was feeling really comfortable with the group. Mm -hmm. The boys took me in really well. Yeah. I'd had a really, really interrupted preseason in 2020. Probably didn't get the chance to spend enough time with the boys yeah. that I'd wanted to for varying reasons with the gym, I was opening up and the business, et cetera. And 2021, I just relaxed a lot, mate. Like I wasn't going out there trying to be the best player anymore. I was just enjoying it. Mm. Um, yeah, I was just enjoying it, made some really, really good friends. I was having a really, really great time with with the business as well on the other side. Yeah. And I, I've realized in footy that like, Footy can't be the hardest thing that you do during your week because then you won't play well. It needs to be the second or third thing that you get to enjoy outside of the hard thing yep. you do during the week. Yeah. So I had this thing that I was working on during the week and I was dialed in, mate. Like I was getting up at four, four times a week, staying probably till 8, 30, 9 o'clock most nights, getting everything sorted, prepped. I'd got myself into like a meticulous routine with training, with preparing, eating, doing every, every single thing, like literally every single thing I could. And I got here on Saturday and I was like, well, you know, I've done my work and everyone, I know I'm going to play well. And I wasn't stressed about Go it. have fun. Where in 2020, I was chasing tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so like 2021, it obviously ended up being a year of highs and lows. Um, I know there, there were highs, but there was also a low. But you did win a Swan medal. Um, that's a huge achievement and credit to you um, as a recruit coming over the club um, and managing a lot to integrate yourself into the side and within the, the culture of the club and, and sort of deliver. Um, talk us through what was that like, winning a Swan medal? Pretty cool. I'd spent kind of a lot of time just on Thursday nights and even post-game just like talking to supporters of the club and I knew a lot of them, first name, last name. We'd been connected on Facebook and we'd just chat, you know, how as you do. Just getting 
the just getting overwhelmed with messages from people, mm. not just talking about how well that I was playing at the time, but just being a good person, yeah. like around the club, having a good impact on people, getting some nice messages from the Colts boys, getting some nice messages from the guys who were playing in the reserves at the time as well, just being like, mate, you're having a good impact on on my game, watching you, thanks for giving me tips, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. And, you know, as good as winning some medal is, that's the stuff that I kind of hold on to, which is nice. Yeah. The fact that you can kind of help help others mm. without going out of your way to do so. You're just being a good person around the club. Yeah, yeah, you have an impact on the, the whole club, not just on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on the flip side with 2021, like it's been well documented, you did your ACL in the elimination final that year and in, in what would ultimately be your last league game for the footy club. Um, we'll tie in the knee um, a little bit now when we talk about your decision um, to retire recently which i think you know you you obviously had some issues with coming back with the knee with your knee and with your hamstring um and and issues with your body but i think um i think for a lot of people it was probably like a little bit of a a shock or like if you look at it externally you're 25 turning 26 this year it's um a lot of people would would think it's a you're making the decision to retire real young so like, how did you um, how did you get to the point where you made the decision? Because, like, I know you're struggling with your body, but, like, at that age, there's other guys who struggle with their body but then still continue to keep going on, even if they don't end up playing much footy. So, like, how did you come How did you come to that decision? Interesting one, isn't it? And it's – we're going to use the term embarrassing a little bit. And it was highlighted by the next game that the boys played. So, it was West Perth at West Perth a couple of weeks ago, like mm. after we were recording this pod and it was Aaron Black's 250th yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking that like that photo kind of got posted of, you know, X amount of disposals, X amount of goals, 25 waffle games. <laughs> and Blackie's playing his 250th <laughs> the week that I've retired and uh, he's played 10 times more waffle games yeah, than me. Yeah. I'm thinking, Frank, like, is this the right decision? And it comes down to the fact that the work that I need to get done on my body. So I need to go in for more surgery on my knee if I want to keep playing. Yeah. I need to go in for more surgery on my left hip uh, that I'm going to keep playing. And we probably didn't touch on the struggles that I was having in 2021 and the lengths that I was going to to just curb pain yeah. during that season. Yeah. So I'd had five cortisone injections in 2021. I was having like four and approximately 1,000 milligrams a week. Yeah. Mate, it was, it was a chemist at my house. I know what that second part's it like. It was a genuine <laughs> chemist at my house and I was just eating them like Fruit Loops. Yeah. But it got me up. Yeah. So I'd kind of put it all together on my head. I saw the surgeon this morning actually and it's, it's, not, it's a full reconstruction of the knee because I had – I damage. I've still got a crack in my femoral head in my knee, so is surgery to repair that. There's cartilage repair that I need to do as well. The ACL is actually intact, but then there's a tear in my meniscus at mm. the moment as well. Mm. So couple that. So that'll be all this season out. Yeah, I won't play again if I wanted to keep playing. And the goal would be to play senior footy, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'd need to get surgery on my left hip, which would put me out for all of next season. Mm. And I'm not willing to continue to do the whole quarter zone three, four times a year. Yeah, it's to not, continue playing it's not great, is it? So this season out, it would have been next season out as well. And then in my head, I'm like, mate, like two and a half seasons, imagine all the stuff you can do outside of footy when you get to that point. So just weighing it all up, mate. And like, I know the decision was made really easily because I know that I can run in a straight line, no issues at all. I've had a really good couple of weeks being just relaxed, going for nice runs, riding my bike over these past fortnight. And I know that 
that's the direction that I want to go in post footy. Yeah. And if I want to keep doing all this stuff through the waffle, it's just a, it's a long way back. And you're punishing yourself, aren't you, while you're doing it too. And to go back to that performance graph that we were talking about before, like you work really hard but you're not enjoying it and then you're not getting any positive feedback. Yeah. You're not seeing any results from it. And it's just a serious, like, yeah, vicious yeah. circle. I know, I, know the, I know the cycle a little bit with your body in terms of that enjoying it part as well, especially when you're putting in like so much effort just to get yourself up for a Saturday. And, like, even if you're playing decent footy, like, you, you're not really enjoying it because of how much you're having to put in. And it goes back to it's the hardest thing you do during the week because of how much shit you have to do just to get yourself up to play on a Saturday. So, yeah, I can sort of relate to that. Um when, when did it when did it sort of start to come into your thinking about retiring? Was it only as recently as um, like earlier this year, or did you have any like did you have any thought during twenty twenty two that you might not play again? So the, to be honest, the only reason I came back was because Pruie was coaching. And yeah, right. I'm really really close to Greg, so I knew the option of playing in the reserves was going to be a really really fun option as well. Pruie was coming back. At, and I wouldn't have given it a chance or I wouldn't have tried to if he hadn't come back and changed. Absolutely nothing on Adam Pickering. Like, we got on like a house on fire. Mm. And it was just the case of I wasn't willing to come back in that environment again because I kind of knew what was happening. When Pruie kind of stepped into the role, I wanted to be involved. You felt that really fun buzz was in the air. And I didn't want to finish how I finished in 21. You can't walk out on footy like that. You've got yeah. to go out in your own terms. Yeah, so yeah. This year for me, the ultimate goal, and I joked at the start of the pod, but the ultimate goal for me this year was to was to kind of disregard the negative connotations that I had towards playing footy and how I finished and kind of coming back to a point where I was okay enough to get rehab in my knee, work through that, get to a point where I could run as far as I want and see if I could get to a point where I could play. Yeah talking to smarty you kind of mentioned that i'm a bit of a perfectionist in how i want to go about playing and how i expect myself to play yeah and it became really really obvious for me that i was nowhere near going to have the impact that i could have in the senior team yeah and that was okay and there's so many really good players now in the team you look at guys like like probably jacko clarky's a genuine star turns is a very very good player yeah i didn't have to come back and be that player that i was but playing one game a month was never going to be acceptable. Yeah. And I played a full game against Subiaco. It was probably the only game where I ran more kilometers that I had possessions. I think I finished in the reserves. With, yeah, yeah. I finished with 14. I think I ran 15 yeah. one. That was the other part of it that was almost like from the outside you were just so you like you were you're on the grasp of being back in into the league side as well. And what happened mate was so I played that game mm. and then that was I'm not sure if it was a Saturday or Sunday game, but I went to work. So I work up at a Rio Tinto mine site. So I do yeah. one-on-ones. And I'm, that's a really, really – I'm diving into that career path yeah, at the yeah. moment. I, yeah. really, I really enjoy it. Yeah. And I didn't – I couldn't walk that whole week. I, I literally could not walk. So I sat in the office for the whole week. Everyone at work was like, what are you doing? Like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, that kind of yeah, yeah, chat yeah, at work. Yeah, yeah, came, <laughs> yeah. Came, I came, came back to the club, obviously, the following week. Still couldn't run. So that was two weeks post-game. Went back to site the following week, started jogging a little bit, tried to come back on the fourth week after that Subiaco game mm. and still couldn't kick. Like I could run, but I couldn't kick. I'm thinking in my head like, what are you doing, mate? Like this, not only are you so far off <laughs> mentally, but your body is so cooked. Yeah. So, mate, it was you, you run all those things through your head. You realise there's a certain direction path that you can go in other aspects, uh, other aspects of your life and you go – 
you gotta weigh it all up, don't you? Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like, and you know when you put it all that way as well, I think people understand how you've come to that decision. Like you know, like it it, it all it all sort of makes sense when you when you lay it out like that too. Well, the thing is as well, like. I can run 50, 60 kilometre straight line weeks, no issues. Yeah. As soon as I start changing the direction on trying to kick a footy, I can't walk for the next week. Yeah. So you're like, Frank, is that worthwhile? Is, yeah. Is the mental and emotional drain that you're putting on yourself worth it? Yeah. Yeah. And and you and only you'll know that, and that's why you've made the right decision for yourself. And yeah. mate, I haven't felt this relaxed. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Since coming to Perth. Yeah. For a long time, and yeah, I've yeah. probably done as much training as I've ever done in the last month outside of footy, running, riding, swimming. Yeah. And... Never had a bad rig, never will. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's genetics. I've got a bad bad hit, but a good metabolism. (laughs) Oh, far out. Um, But I think one thing, like just touching on the retirement, like one thing that is a credit to you is um, the impact that you've had, I think, on players and people. And I think... Like that's probably one of the reasons why playing twenty five games still gets you a, a post and and like some recognition from it's the club. Yeah, I know, but I think that reflects in the impact that you've had on your time at the club, not just on the field with performance, but also on people as well. So I think that that is a credit to you. It's that you've definitely had an impact since um since you've come, and you'll be. I know you'll be floating around, but you'll be missed because you're obviously more involved when you're when you're a player. Yeah, so you, you'll definitely be missed in that regard. It's um, funny, like there's the physical side of it of like playing and competing and preparing as best you possibly can. There's the mental side of it. And I, I look at guys like you look at them in team meetings, like guys like Jebby, guys like Clark, Jebo Donahue, yeah, yeah, and like mate, they're dialed in. He's like an NBA team, like. They got that. They've got a dog inside yeah, their head, mate, yeah, and they, yeah. they they want it and they're hungry. Yeah. And when I play footy, I'm very competitive, mm. but I'm not a, at all a competitive person outside of footy. Yeah. I wouldn't. I don't like competing against other people. It's always just about myself and my performance. Yeah. And when I realised I just I couldn't compete against myself anymore, then all the rest of the stuff was just so oblivious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now, like a couple more things to touch on before we get into some of our favourite segments. Um, yeah. I've touched on it a few times and in the intro, your preparation and diligence when it comes to your body diet, preparing for footy and to give your body the best chance to play, I you're one of the more meticulous preparers I've come across in guys that I've played with or know. Um, where did that mindset and approach originate? Because, you know, like some guys might say, well, yeah, I'm just – hungry for it i'm driven but like the level you're drawing it at that doesn't just come like that happens at some stage or builds over time and something sort of like you you don't just wake up one day and you're doing that so where did that where did that come from jake because jesse turner's the same yeah and jesse learned all he knows from me (laughs) shout out to jesse (laughs) uh jokingly there's there's certainly an an element of vanity about it and, yeah, okay. And vanity is not always a bad thing. Yeah. So you, we can certainly kind of throw that in there. We like to look good down at Scarborough Beach <laughs> when we go down there in the summertime. Yeah. But in seriousness, it probably comes back to going through so many injury setbacks and knowing the level that I needed to prepare it to play, let alone play well. Like just to get myself out there, mm-hmm. I needed to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. And then if I want to do, you know, a couple of curls after that or a couple of crunches <laughs> after that, then you have to do that on top of it too. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and honestly, I just really enjoy feeling good. Like, yeah. there is no trade-off to feeling good, <laughs> and the opposite of that is there's absolutely no disregard for feeling bad. Like, 
Yeah. You can't pay someone to feel good. Yeah. There's no pill for the it. Old look you just good, gotta, feel good, play good. You've just got to put in the work. <laughs> yeah. But I just I just love it, mate. So twenty twenty one, my week was like Sunday, do some upper body weights, do the recovery, do some upper body weights at, at night. Monday morning, I had this thing where you sweat on Monday morning no matter what you did. So you can go down to a group class, lower body, upper body, whatever you want. So that was always like a 50-minute block on the Monday morning. Monday night was obviously training, lower body weights. Tuesday morning was swim. Tuesday afternoon was upper body weights. Then Wednesday, nothing until the main session. Do like a 45-hour kind of prehab session that we'd probably do together really in the gym on the Wednesday Thursday was a bit more upper body and then the main training session and then Friday morning was a group fitness class or two sometimes when I was feeling really good yep. before the Saturday game. And I just knew I'd put in all that work, mate, and I was feeling a million bucks. Help, help when you own a body fit. Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, and then there was a diet on top of it too. Yeah, and I'd go through... Discipline. That's discipline. I'd go through long periods where I'd try not to eat too much because I was like, I know I needed to be 83 and a half kilos and I would hit 83 and a half kilos like bang on. I'd weigh myself Monday, Wednesday, Thursday and on the Saturday. And I knew knew that when I walked in on the Saturday morning there and I was 83 and a half that I was going to play well. There were games where I was like 84 and a bit. Yeah. Do you you reckon you got too deep with it at any stage? Because you think about that, wearing yourself every day needing to be on that 83 and a half. So if you were 84, you're not playing a good game. It wasn't that I was not playing a good game yeah. because you just go out and play, but I just knew that it was 83 and a half that I'd play elite. Yeah, like okay. I, was, I was really yeah, going to okay. play well. The so only reason I ask is because I've been in some more than dangerous. I've been in some more than dangerous territory with something very similar before. So it's just interesting to hear. Yeah. It does. And it's like, it's how far you are on the spectrum, isn't it? Like yeah. At any, oh, yeah. At any one point, yeah. as you know, like you could go from fuck maybe 83 and a half is not right for me. Maybe it needs to be 76. Mm. And that's unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So is it unhealthy? Is vanity unhealthy? Like, let's have that discussion. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we might have to on another pod. <laughs> um, so like, one thing I normally ask before we get into the segments is how you go about balancing playing footy with um, having to do something outside of footy because it's only semi-professional at, at Waffle Competition. But given that you don't have to worry about it anymore, um, I, I thought it might be interesting for some listeners to hear that um, you'll actually be staying in WA and not moving back to Victoria straight away because you've gotten yourself pretty well set up. Oh, man, I here. love Perth. So yeah. tell us about what you're currently doing and what you have going on for you in Perth. A little bit going on in Perth. So obviously I work at a Rio Tinto mine site mm. in the in the drill and blast team. So that's a really fun space that I stepped into after the year I had not playing footy where I thought I'd just do something completely different, something completely out of the health and fitness sector. Uh, I've got some really, really good senior leaders who look after me up there again, just like got lucky with guys who were actually involved in the club uh, from a distance. So that was cool and they look after me up there. So that's, you know, Tuesday to Tuesday. I run the gym studio back in Perth for the weeks that that I'm back in Perth. Um, Signed up for Bustleton race at the end of the year. So that's kind of taking up all my time at the moment. Yeah. And mate, just like... Just hanging out, enjoying it. Yeah. Going to see Paradiso every other weekend. Just loving life in Perth. Yeah. You're yeah, king, of, king of Paradiso. Oh, I'm certainly not the king. <laughs> there might be a couple others at the club <laughs> who would take that. Yeah, Jamesy probably. <laughs> 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 Matty James, shout out. Um, yeah, all right. We'll, we'll get into our segments because we know it's what everyone waits for. Yeah, um, we love this part. You, you'll, you'll probably know these. You'll probably know a lot of these. First one's quick fire questions though. So, you know, just give you a bit of soft stuff to start off with. Lovely. Best sledge you've heard or copped, if any. And you don't have to have one, but it's just in case you have. I probably haven't copped too many. Have you heard any? Oh, there was one, I reckon. There was one back when I was playing local footy. We played with a guy who was genuine albino. Like, he was, he had yeah. white hair. Yeah. 
and there was a bloke in the other team who we kept calling him Milky all day. <laughs> and he was like, I'm going to drink you up, Milky. <laughs> for like the whole day. And I was like, I think he's going to do it because he was like full into it. But outside of that, there's nothing crazy. That's not bad though. Yeah, I don't mind that. Bro, this, this like was huge, man. Yeah. He was into his calcium for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, right up his alley. Yeah. Um, hardest training session you've done to date. This would be interesting given how hard you've trained in your time. If there's any that sticks out. Outside of footy, I remember during the COVID period, I got stuck into some good like swimming, riding and running. There was there was a day there I did like, I don't know, like a 1500-meter swim, 90K bike ride, like 15K run Serious in a row. Day. And I tried to go, because that, that's like the kind of 70.3 Ironman distance, minus mm. a little bit of swim, minus a bit of run. And I, I tried to run the 21 and gave up at 15 because I just couldn't did do ya? it. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, I'm still going to tick that off. That might have driven you as yeah, well afterwards. A little bit. A little bit. Um, Favorite thing to do in your downtime, or or anything that people, anything about you that people wouldn't necessarily expect. Wouldn't expect, I suppose. I don't. Know, I I'm. I think I'm an introverted extrovert where I like spending time around people, but it gets to a point where I just want to be by myself, and I mm. love alone time so yeah, much. Okay. So my alone time just consists of reading. This is great, actually. That you said this, sorry, I'll let you continue, but this is something I can add on to the next segment. That just triggered something for me. Yeah, go on, go on. So yeah, reading, reading is probably the one part where I get to just zone out. Yeah, it's never a case of reading, you know, Harry Potter sequels or like full fantasy mode. But yeah. it's just a time where I get to kick. The what up. what kind of books do you read? Because Lockie Riley dropped on us that he reads a bit of philosophy. Actually. Was it you that he was talking about giving him some... Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, so we've been in a little bit of a book swap for a while. Ma- Matty Germs is in there. Let's be on. Oh, Matty Germs is in there too. He, he, yeah, we, we trade books every just, now and then. Just give me something though before you say anything else about the books. Is Lockie Riley the person you would have predicted being in the book club with when you, before you knew him? We have spoken about this off the mic, <laughs> mate, and for me it's a yes. Oh, really? It's a yes because... he. Th- he claims he's a scientist and anyone who reads <laughs> that deeply into stuff obviously wants to know a bit more information about, you know, the drips and the drabs. So it certainly wasn't a surprise to me when he told me. But the OG book swapper was actually Corey Galt. We started that back the in The big Galt Yeah, he'd be tuned in today, actually. <laughs> Another one I'm yeah. going to have to tag, yeah, mate. No, you give him, you give him jolly too much work, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we started that. We traded off a couple of um, – he gave me like a Mick Malthouse book, I think, that I wasn't huge on. And I kind of – the my favorite kind of style of book is books that touch on reality subjects and theories but are based in like kind of like not not fantasy but they're kind of made up i don't know how you even describe it yeah yeah that's kind of that's kind of the area that i like yeah 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 nice um last tv series you watched do you watch much tv no, i wouldn't not a TV pitch guy. you a tv guy yeah we'll no. move on to the next one um Three people you take to dinner, any like anyone, dead or alive. If you can think of three, if you can't, just give us one or two. And then which, and we'll, we'll say current teammates, which three current players at the club would you take with you to that dinner? Yeah, right. Okay, so three random, three random people across the journey. Probably Jesus. You can't go too fast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fair. He's a person. We just don't know if he's the real one yeah. or not. Yeah. So <laughs> you want to find out. Yeah, that's Jesus, yeah. <laughs> and then probably Elvis Presley. I reckon he'd be a bit of a don at the dinner table. Yeah. Wouldn't mind him. Not wrong there. I don't know. Anyone else, I, don't know, I could be shooting for the stars. So we'll probably just leave that. Yeah, okay. We'll just, so give we'll us. Just spend dinner with those two. And then three guys who I want to have dinner with at the club. Yeah, well, just who would you take with you? Who who, who are the people that you're going to take I'm with you? I'm taking Matty Germs. Yeah. I love Matty Germs just because I'm going to be setting him up, setting him up and gaslighting him the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Choco's a good fella. I like, like, talking, I like yeah. talking to Choco. And, yeah. and Sebi Bright and I have been spending some good quality time he, He's lately, a so unique individual. I really do like Sebi. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. A good, he's actually a very good man, Seb. Um, and then, so who's the one that you'd avoid taking to dinner, being with, rooming with, going on a trip with? Oh, mate, I live with him for a year and a half. Sam, <laughs> I'm not taking fish. I'm not taking fish. Sorry, fish. I'm not taking Oh, I thought that might have been the one. Very good. <laughs> All right, now we're on to dirt on Frank. And you know what? You're lucky because... Squeaky clean. Yeah, it was hard to get a hold of some just because, you know, Victoria, like, I got lucky with Jacko to those, oh, I hope they listen, these, those two blokes from Geelong, I hope they listen. I might have to get them on one day. But I still got something on, I still got someone, yeah? So we'll have a bit of fun with the little we've got. First one, I was told to ask you about the time that you had to text your mum about making too much noise with her boyfriend. <laughs> did this happen? <laughs> oh, this is all time. <laughs> and how this did is, that go for oh, you? Oh, mate, this is, I don't know. Mum will probably listen to this actually, so it's <laughs> gonna be careful. Yeah, no, nah, we'll run with it anyway. So, oh, I don't know if I should or not. We'll, <laughs> okay, maybe we'll just we'll talk about it, and then if we need to cut it out at the end, we yeah, can. okay, yeah, done. All right, so so I'm so this is sometime in high school, right? So our family home is a long kind of corridor house out in the burbs, God's country, out, out in Croydon, <laughs> out in Croydon, out there. They'll so, be listening. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole stuff will <laughs> be tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on the far right hand bedroom and all the way down the corridor and my brother's room is like stone's throw away next door down into the corridor and mum's room is halfway up the corridor so it's quite a it's quite a distance and so I've got so I've a girlfriend at the time so we're like I don't know if it's the school night it's the weekend but we're just chilling fairly late we might have come home from a party or whatever my brother's got a girlfriend too at the same time and so he's obviously in the next room and all of a sudden, I just start, I just start hearing some, start hearing some freaky stuff coming from somewhere <laughs> in the house. So, I've, and it's like it's pretty loud, it's pretty loud. So someone's putting in some good work. Shout out. <laughs> so, and I've had enough because I want to go to bed. I've got, probably got something on the next day, and I think it's my brother. So, I get on the phone. <laughs> I, on the phone. I get the phone up. And I, so I text my, I text Jack and I go, mate, can you just keep it down? <laughs> Thinking that he's home. And I can, and then I hear like the bing go off in the next room because he obviously got his ringtone on. And then like that little typing, yeah, 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 little yeah, typing yeah, yeah, box yeah. comes up. Yeah. And he goes, mate, it's not me. <laughs> oh, no. oh no. So <laughs> that would have been shock horror. It's coming from somewhere else in the house. <laughs> somewhere else. So another text goes out and then it stops. And yeah. <laughs> Love yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's oh, that's funny. Play on. That's great. All right, so this one, obviously, the first part's in jest, but I was told to ask, did, was it the knee injury that sort of cut short the career or was it the walk-on in the practice match in 2021 who rubbed your face in the ground after he caught you holding the ball? <laughs> Do you remember this? Do you know what I'm talking about? This was this was at Bassendine. Yeah. This was from a player in our squad at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I still haven't forgiven him. Yeah, right. Do you want a name and shame? Yeah, I think it was Eric Bashmill. Yeah. 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 And I've tried my best to erase that memory. <laughs> but elephants don't forget. So he got you. He got me really good. <laughs> but he also hasn't come back to training since. So. <laughs> oh, I've got to- we've touched on this, but 
Ask him if he was the reason the dangerous tackle was brought in because of the time he put Bailey Scott in the graveyard at Princess Park. <laughs> Mate, honestly, there is a plaque in the middle of Carlton Cemetery with his name on it. He didn't wake up for a couple of days, I don't reckon. Yeah. It was shocking. I know poor, we touched on it before, bloke. but he was poor bloke. 60 kilos ringing wet as an 18-year-old. Poor bloke. I got him pretty good. Yeah. Um, so did you used to play a bit of Friday night poker at Duke Street? A little bit. And yep. were you um, not happy with some of those games because you thought that someone who participated cheated? Oh, there was constant cheating. And who was it? Fisher. Yeah, and, and ha- have you been able to prove it? Or oh. is it all speculation at this point? Oh, it's all speculation. It'll never be, it'll <laughs> never be proven. Um, I stopped playing. I just stopped playing. Yeah, right. Just had enough. Oh, it was just not worth it. Okay. Yeah. Was he winning money as a result? Yeah, there was some money going on. And I don't know, honestly, if it was cheating or not. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even remember the information about it, but I just remember sitting in bed one night being like, that was just not fun. Like, yeah, right. Why are we doing this? This is not fun. <laughs> and I think they still play every now and then, but I'd rather just sit in my room and yeah. read, so it's all good. Yeah, fair enough. All right, this one I'm reading from the phone because I didn't get a chance to put it in my notes. And, you know, it's it's a bit of a doozy. Um, so I'm told that you, you brew up candles in your spare time on a camping gas stove or stove, stove top get or stove cooker in the kitchen. I don't know if you still do it or not. You know, melt, melts, wax, etc. Does that kind of thing. And, and apparently one night you left the, the wax on the cooker and, and it blew up and exploded all over the house. And apparently it was like roof, floors, fridge, everything. Um, and you obviously worked at Body Fit, so you had to get up and, and leave the house pretty early and you didn't have time... Um, to clean it. So apparently you've asked your housemate at the time if you, or you've said to him, if you clean the house today, I'll give you a few, a few two-week memberships at Body Fit. So your housemate's cleaned it for you and he said, surely it covers the rent because I've cleaned that for you. And apparently you just reply with car, mate. Well, for starters, <laughs> this bloke has got absolute rocks in his head. <laughs> he needs to grow up. Jesse Palmer. Yeah, this bloke, he needs to honestly grow up. But is the story it. true or not? Look, there's always got so much mayonnaise on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, true story, I've been known to make a few candles over my <laughs> lifetime just to keep the lights off at night. Just better for your, better for your sleeping habits. And, yeah, there was, there was certainly a period of time there where a little bit of wax got under got under the kind of the boat thing that I was using to melt down the wax and <laughs> it, it pretty much exploded all over the kitchen. And I absolutely cleaned it up. So he's lying. Oh, so he's not cleaned it. He's going to have to come on here and explain (laughs) himself. Oh, man, I believed him. I believe him. But no, we're still selling candles for 25 pops. So just hit me up if you want (laughs) (laughs) to. Part of the the extra time you've got now, selling some candles. Um, And apparently same sort of areas, but, and you mentioned it, love, used to love showering with all the lights off in the house. And just a candle burning in the bathroom, and then also added on, walked in multiple times. Odd behaviour. Do you have anything? <laughs> do you have anything? Do you have anything to say? Do you have anything oh, to say mate, about I'm, that? I'm a bit unique in some aspects, but yeah, I certainly like having the lights off. I'm a bit freaky. So. Yeah, right. So that no mayonnaise on that one. No, no. There's been some freaky times there where yeah. the drawers are talking to me and and the candles are burning. But yeah, well. That's yeah, right. And it said that the only the last one I have, which I remembered, triggered before you're talking about alone time. So I've heard that you, I can't remember where you drove to and from. I think it was down south, maybe, or coming back from down south somewhere. And apparently, you spent the whole car trip by yourself with nothing on. 
Just in silence. Honestly, mate, that's like <laughs> it's one of it's one of those ones where you know when people ask you the question like, what's like what's overrated or underrated? Yeah. Driving in silence, mate. Yeah, that's unique though. Mate, I could drive <laughs> for days without listening. Where was to that? Me. Where were you coming from or going to? So it was during a buy in 2020 and I was upset with myself because I hadn't had a good start to the year. Yeah, right. So I might have been on that fifth Gee, or sixth game buy and I just went I just went for some demons. <laughs> oh, mate. There's a bit going on upstairs sometimes. Well, there was anyway. It's pretty relaxed now. But yeah, I, I drove up, spent a night up in... Can't even remember, but it was a fair drive. I spent the whole day in the car, camped overnight somewhere, just a bit of reading, put the phone down for a bit. No kind of media or anything like that. Just turn the lights off with everything, and yeah, just silence, mate. It was it was really peaceful. It there was you go. Good. There you go. Hey, each to their own. And and if you enjoyed honest, yourself, like, if you can't get along with yourself, how is people <laughs> going to get along with you? So, I, I don't admit that I can get along with myself. <laughs> to be fair, uh, but no, but you could have been doing something better. Well, this podcast wasn't. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, I'm up to date. Never again, though. Never again in silence. <laughs> All right, last segment. This or that. This, you know, and you might have heard there's going to be a prize at the end. And, you know, I've been thinking what the prize is going to be, but I might tailor the prize to the person. Oh, so that might add extra significance because you might get something you actually really want. So I hope you're ready for this. I just know that I'm not going to I'm not gonna rattle off what you want me to rattle okay. off. Okay, so well, yeah. All right, if you don't want this, a prize, this, if this you don't want a prize, fun. that's fine. I said the same thing to Jacko. If you don't want a prize, that's fine. I might, I might put a – I might, you know, get reach my hand in my pocket and actually – Outlay a bit oh, yeah, so I for want, people who I appreciate it. Prize, but but I, just, I just don't want to let you down with uh, these answers. Yeah. I'm bad. <laughs> All right, first one: peanut butter, crunchy or smooth? I'm a crunchy man. Yeah, that's it. That's good. Good start. At least you got off to a good start. Thanks, mate. Barbecue or tomato sauce? I'm a Tommy in the fridge. Tommy in the fridge. Yeah. I, I would say I keep it in the fridge too, but tomato sauce mate, no so good, good compared to barbecue. But yeah, on the bacon and eggs, like if you get like <laughs> a nice bit of cold Tommy sauce with the wrap. Give me that BBQ, please. Well, a sausage roll or pie, you might be neither for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's to be one. Uh, I'm a saucy roll man. Ah, oh, good man. Yeah. Good man. You actually realise that it's difficult to eat pies. It's just not on. Have you ever, you know those blokes who who get the pies, take the lid off the pie, yeah. put the sauce. Yeah. I've known blokes who take the lid off the pie, sauce inside. And just use a spoon and eat the eat the inside. And then what? Eat the pastry after? Leave, or just leave leave the pastry. Pastry. That's weird. Yeah, man. Do you have a would you have a weird way of eating your sausage roll? Straight in. Oh yeah. Okay. Straight good. In. So there you go. No lube. <laughs> um, LeBron or MJ? Don't know enough about basketball. Yeah. Okay. Don't know enough to. I just like longevity of LeBron, but couldn't care less. Don't know. You going with LeBron? Oh, we'll LeBron. Don't, not that fussed about JT's opinion. No, I don't, <laughs> don't think yet. Um, all right, we'll see how you go with this one. Brisbane's hat trick, 01 to 03. Hawthorne's hat trick, 13 to 15. Richmond's three flags in four years. Or Geelong's three flags in five years, which is 07, 09, 11. Are you enough footy nuffy? You a bit of a footy nuffy? Uh, I was for a period, but not to the level that you'd probably categorise a nuffy. Yeah, in. okay. Purely, so, purely for the fact of how dominant they were for the three years, I think it was Hawthorne. Yeah, okay. Like... They were rolling into those grand finals and everyone knew the result. One thing I like about that answer is a lot of left footers too, oh my which God. I appreciate. To be honest, my right hit was so bad for so long I tried to become a left footer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no good. Only some people can be part of the prestigious club. Um, World Cup winning goal in soccer. Game seven NBA finals winning jump shot, like buzzer beater. 
winning goal in an AFL grand final, winning putt at the Masters, or hit the winning runs in the deciding fifth Ashes test in England, which is real relevant for right now, or take the final wicket in the same game when the oppo needs two runs to win the test? That's a tricky one. I think the golf one stands out for me. I don't know why it does, but I think that would be that'd be pretty cool yep. because it's, it's a long time in, in the making. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, like hitting the winning runs after, you know, hitting the fair few that day would be pretty nice. <laughs> ben Stokes style on 54. I'm thinking like Mike Hussey in Adelaide as well. Oh, yeah, that was good. Gee whiz. That was good. Um, tennis Grand Slam, best soccer player in the world in a year where you win the World Cup, golf Grand Slam or MVP finals, MVP and champion in the NBA in the same year? Been getting around the basketball a little bit recently. Yeah. Kind of joining the conversation. So that probably stands out a little bit. Yeah, right. But I honestly think that the tennis one would be the hardest to do. So... That'd be good, holding the Grand Slam mm-hmm. in tennis. That'd be elite. Um, coffee order? You, you might have started a trend at the footy club too at the time. Can I only say, so <laughs> I reckon I started it back in the blue. So th- I remember the first Saturday. taking even more credit. <laughs> anyway. I honestly put it down to the fact that I got my 2K time a little bit lower because I gave up the milk. Yeah. But So what happened was the first Saturday we went out for a coffee when in that VFL year that I spent down the blues, we went out to one of the cafes in Carlton and the the waiter came out, was taking the order of all the boys for the coffee and you know, cappuccino, latte, and I was can I have can I have a, an almond latte? And mate, I got like twelve pairs of daggers just looking <laughs> through me. Everyone was like, What are you doing? Like yeah. my girlfriend at the time was like a fairly staunch vegan, so I, that was kind of something that I'd adopted for a little bit of time. Yeah. And I just started liking it. And by the end of the year, every single one of those boys had converted to the almond milk. Yeah. And I'm an oat, I'm an oat latte man. Yeah, now. I think you can, you sort of influenced me a little bit to get off the milk for Mate, a period of time. But that's I'm why back you're on so it. Lean but I'm back moment. on it. Nah, stop that. <laughs> I'm back on it. Anyway, to be honest, what I've been doing is so sh- is it almond? No, it's oat latte now. Yeah, and I've been adding a shot of hazelnut as well. And honestly, Jeez, don't do it, man, skinnies. because because it's such a downhill spiral. <laughs> oh, um, alcoholic beverage of choice. Can be a type or can be a brand. I love a beer, whatever. I'm not too fussy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I love beer. Yeah. Um, If you had to pick one song, artist or genre of music to listen to for the rest of your life, and you can go whichever one of those, depending on how specific you can get or want to get. Well, mate, another weird thing about me is I just don't really listen to music. Really? I just... When I'm in the car, I don't really have much <laughs> going on. You should have known that with that story. Really. What I have been, I've been giving Spacey Jane a bit of a run recently and yeah, I've okay. probably been rinsing them a bit too hard. So yeah, right. just purely for relevance at the moment, I don't Space, mind a bit of Spacey. Space Jane, yeah, okay. And now the most important question and the most important of the podcast too, who's the best key defender in the AFL? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got this affinity with Sam Collins from the Gold Coast because we went to school together. Oh, yeah. That's um, not a bad answer. But so, shout out to Colo. It's not the right one. He'll be tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Get him on. Yeah. yeah. You get him on, mate. You should up. be you're actually there. That's a good idea. But so, you go on with Sam Collins. Is that your answer? Oh, yeah. We'll lock him in. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, like, I don't mind him, but yeah, it's disappointing. He's a good guy. Yeah, it's disappointing, really. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> So, like, before we finish as well, I'd normally ask every guest the same question, but again, given you are recently retired, I'm going to change it slightly. Tell us what's next for you uh, or what you want to tick off next in life. It can be something small or big, um, short-term or or long-term, and particularly because you've got footy off the plate and you might be able to do some things or pursue some things that you couldn't previously. What's, What's the next thing? 
Yeah, we spoke about it before. I signed up for the 70.3 Ironman down in Bustleton in December. So I will give that a good rinse. Yeah. It's funny because like I've, I've told a few people and they're like, mate, didn't you just like pull the pin on footy because your body's no good? And like the difference between running in a straight line for distance. Yeah, it's massive difference. And changing your direction is just out of control. Yeah. So I'm already ramping up that training and that's something I've wanted to do for like for a very, very yeah, long time. That's a big one. To the point where last year that was the main reason why I probably didn't want to come back and play footy. So yeah, okay. Yeah, it's something I've been chasing for a while. I can't wait to get stuck in down there on the arrow bars and just really dial in for the 90. <laughs> looking forward to seeing how that goes. I'll be I'll be keeping up to date with that. Yeah, are we looking real thin really soon? <laughs> um very last question. Any chance we'll see Frank Anderson on a footy field again? I don't think so. Okay. At any level, to be honest. Yeah. I'm not interested in playing local footy. I'm not interested in playing country footy. I've got plans to, you know, go away a little bit, kind of explore life as well. Life's life's bigger for me than yeah. than kind of playing than playing footy. And yeah, I kinda of like this kind of direction with with the triathlon stuff, with the Ironman things that I've been looking forward to doing for a long time. So I think my time is um He's done. Yeah, okay. Not saying that um, Swans fans would necessarily want to hear, but I think it's uh, I think you're in a really good place, so it's, it's good to hear, man. And um, that's it. So it's it's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure. And yeah, we're gone for a while. Not only today, which has been high quality, or tonight, but also the chance to get to know you over the years and play footy with you as well. You made a big contribution in your time here, like we spoke about before. Not just as a player, but I think your impact at the club and. Yeah, I know you'll still be floating around, but you will be missed from that perspective. So, yeah, I hope um, the listeners have enjoyed the chat or enjoy the chat we've had as much as I have. So, yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks nah, for coming on. Good on you. It's been, it's been good fun. Yeah, cheers, mate.